3: Welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday, one and all, January 22nd, 2024. Rob Ellis, Bill Calarulo, hanging out with us today. Bill, appreciate you, man, uh, hanging out with us. Always good to see you, my friend. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well, man. Some good football yesterday. It was a little depressing that you're not watching the Eagles play, but other than that, some good football. It was good to see Jason Kelsey having some fun.
3: <laughs> yes, uh, he was living his best life uh, yesterday, that's for sure, man. At first, he's out with the... Uh, with the Bills Mafia drinking out of a half bowling ball, doing shots, and then he's up in the suite, uh going shirtless. And Taylor Swift's never seen anything like that, Bill. I could I could tell you that much. But but welcome to the family, Taylor. Uh that's yeah, for sure.
0: You're not kidding. And Taylor Swift, man, like I don't even get annoyed with her. It, it's the it's the broadcast. Like, why are you as soon as the Chiefs score, why do you immediately flash? to Taylor Swift. Every single time it was like they weren't even showing the players celebrate. It was literally
3: immediate to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Ratings right. baby, ratings <laughs> baby. Uh to follow the money trail, Bill, when in doubt, when in question. Um all right, so man, not only were they highly I thought it was a highly entertaining weekend for the most part. Um but but certainly entertaining games yesterday. Um that's for sure. And, you know, the, the the nightcap was just absolutely awesome. And we're going to dive really hard into the games uh, themselves. But during the games yesterday, multiple reports, a lot of stuff fast and furious flying out. Uh, first Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. The, the wording of the tweet essentially was that Nick Sirianni has fired Sean Desai. Uh, I think the wording is critical here if you want to read into things, Uh, because it wasn't the Eagles, it wasn't Jeffrey Lurie, it wasn't Howie Roseman, it was Nick Sirianni. So I want to start with that. No surprise that Desai is out. And by the way, Matt Patricia is no longer under contract, so it would not be a firing. It would just be a walk away from his contract thing. But let's start with that, with the wording of that one. yeah. Does that lead you to believe that Nick is back? Because we're likely not going to hear any official word bill because he's also still under contract so wh- wh- how did you read into that
0: yeah I read it the same way you did that he's back and there was a good article by Florio on pro football talk last week about this very thing that you're probably not going to hear Jeffrey Laurie or Howie Roseman announced that Sirianni's job is safe because that's not the way the Eagles organization really runs things they're not yep. Jerry Jones they're not going to come out after every time a coach loses in the playoffs and say his job's safe, they're looking at it as we don't need to say anything because it's obvious he's coming back. And if they do acknowledge that there was even a question of him coming back, then how does that look? So I think this is exactly the way the Eagles wanted to play it. They're not going to make a formal announcement, and we're all just going to assume it because of things like that. Oh, well, Sirianni fired Sean Desai. Sirianni and Howie Roseman are looking for coordinator replacements. We also heard that report. As well last week. So yeah. I think Sirianni's coming back. And right after the game, Rob, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this. Right after the game against the Bucks, I was angry and I'm like, they can't bring him back. They gotta fire him. And then as 48 hours passed, and I took a look at the entire picture of things, I changed my mind. And I, I said he deserves to come back for another year. When you look at the total picture. I do think it would be a knee jerk, as bad as things were, and as bad of a job as he did at the end of that season. I think he should come back. I really do.
3: I'm um, uh, look. I-, I was a lean towards letting him go, guy, but not a, you know just a, a over the top smashing my fist on the console kind of guy with that. So here's where I stand with it. I'm okay with Sirianni coming back, but this has to be the first of two moves. Brian Johnson can't come back. Agreed. Now, you can blame it, certainly, and very, it's fair if you want to say that Nick Siriani was drawing this stuff up during the week and it was hot garbage. And I agree with that. But I don't think Brian Johnson helped anything. In fact, I think he compounded the issues. So I think he needs to be gone. But what I want in his place, in his stead, Bill, I want somebody to come in here, scheme it, and call it. Guess what, Nick? You want to be a CEO? You're going to be a CEO but you're not as involved in the day-to-day game plan that week heading into Sunday. The person who's calling the plays will be. That, to me, like if you come back, if you run this back with Brian Johnson and it's the same sort of philosophy or method, I have zero faith that this is going to work next year. I have zero faith that you're going to recapture what you had with Hertz last year. You know, I mean in 2022 when I say last year. I have zero faith in any of that if you run it back on the offensive side. Where do you fall on that? I agree with you.
0: I said that. I said, I want Sirianni to come back, but don't sell me on we're running it back with Brian Johnson because we did finish with a top 10 offense. And you're right. If Sirianni is going to be the CEO coach, which you could be successful. Look at the Ravens. Harbaugh's a CEO type coach. Dan Campbell's not calling plays in Detroit. Mike Tomlin doesn't call plays. So, I mean, you can have success as a CEO coach, but I agree, let's bring in an offensive coordinator that's going to be able to really scheme things up and help Jalen Hurts. But when I looked at, at Sirianni, and the reason I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, Rob, is we were really asking him to do something that no coach in NFL history has ever done. And that's go to a Super Bowl, lose, lose both of your coordinators, and then try to get back. There's only been six coaches ever to even get back. None of them lost both coordinators. And the only two teams that ever went to a Super Bowl and lost both coordinators were the 2005 Patriots, who, by the way, had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, couldn't get out of the divisional round. The 1995 San Francisco 49ers who had George Seifert and Hall of Famer Steve Young and couldn't get out of the divisional round. So for me, when you look at it and say, Because he couldn't do something that no one else has ever been able to do, he's fired. He's gone. Even when Howie Roseman made some really bad mistakes on the defensive side of the ball, not absolving Sirianni. He needs to be better. It wasn't good. I just don't think you knee-jerk and say he's gone because of one bad year.
3: Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, the the track record of what's happened here with, with, as you mentioned, with the people trying to repeat, it's not a coincidence. It's a far – there's far too many teams. It's it's a long and unfortunately rich history of this kind of thing. Um, there was also a very fascinating article from Ralph Vacchiano uh, from Fox Sports that laid out a couple different things uh, in it in the body of it, and it discussed essentially staff choices. Um, one of them being the, the choice to to go with Denard Wilson or to not go with Denard Wilson. And choose Sean Desai. Now, we're going to talk to Jeff McClain at 1130 from the Inquirer, who's always got his pulse on a lot of what's going on here, right? I'm curious, ultimately, because I've seen many different things written and speculated about whose choice that was, whether it was Howie's choice, whether it was Nick's choice, whatever. But clearly, you know, there were mistakes made on that side of the ball. Not only uh, did he discuss that, but he talked about how Hertz was unhappy with the offense, uh, which was part of the reason why we got the late season ad-libs uh, that we got, and maybe even his relationship with Brian Johnson had soured a bit, which could, you know, lead to it not being as big a deal as some people maybe make it out to be. With Brian Johnson moving on, um, this one was was pretty pretty hard hitting and, and pretty telling about some of the issues that went on behind the scenes. That's the
0: one major concern I have is Sirianni. As much as I'm saying bring him back, is one of the things we thought he did so well was building a strong culture that you weren't going to have these type of issues that you weren't going to have these things where, you know, there's not the coach and the players aren't seeing eye to eye. I never expected to start hearing leaks coming from the locker room, you know, D gun a few weeks ago, talking about how players were saying that uh, the offense is predictable. You have, you know, AJ Brown refusing to talk to the media for a couple of weeks. Like there was just some weird things going on. And yeah, I am looking forward to talking to McLean because I've been waiting for the Jeff McClain article to come out, laying it all out about all the differences that these coaches and and players had, because he always seems to find something. He does a great job with that. But we'll see. And then there was another article by um, I'm forgetting the name now for Bleeding Green Nation with Oh Joe San you know. Joe's going to join yeah. us tomorrow.
3: Uh, Joe Herb, will be on yeah. at eleven thirty tomorrow. Joe will.
4: Yeah, about
0: Jalen Hurts's leadership. And yep. when there was an article that came out even a few weeks ago, or a, a report that. The Eagles wanted Jalen Hurts to be a more vocal leader, that there were some question marks about his leadership. And that was during the regular season. And I even reached out to a few people inside the organization and said, Hey, this is, this is BS, right? This is being overstated. And they confirmed, they said, no, as great as a great of a guy as Jalen Hurts is, and he's a great young kid. He does need to do a little bit more to be a vocal leader. Cause he is, that's kind of the way he is. He's guarded. You heard Covey say he's not approachable. And I think he'll get better with that. I I don't think Jalen Hurts is Carson Wentz. I don't like the comparisons because I do think he's a different person. I think he's a different quarterback. And I think he'll figure out a way to be a better leader going forward.
3: Yeah. So, and and Joe made it clear in the article like, this is not teammates don't view him the same way they viewed him as they viewed Carson Wentz. But he did talk about how he's less accessible, uh, partly because after he signed the contract, there were a lot of hands out. And this happens to a lot of professional athletes where, you know cousins you didn't even know you had are suddenly asking you hitting you up for loans right where you got for a guy who's already got a pretty close close quarters to begin with I think he tightened the circle even more problem with that is when you're inside the locker room um, you, you know if if you even if you appear it, it, the appearance of this if you come off as a bit I'm, I'm not even gonna say aloof I think that's too strong a word but but as a guy who maybe isn't open as he could be at that position it's tough like you can be that way at left guard. You know, you can, uh, you can be that way, a defensive tackle. Nobody cares. Nobody pays much attention to it. Unfortunately, and this is why you get the big bucks too, there's a spotlight on you at that position. And Jalen has it, you know, shining loud and clear. Um, Yeah, there, there's a lot going on. And Joe supported a lot of it with numbers too, Uh, in terms of, you know, uh the, the passes between the hashes, which were only 5.2%, which is an incredible minuscule number. You have 27% verticals, which means a lot of deep shots. 45th uh, 42nd out of 45 qualified quarterbacks and holding the ball too long. Like there's a lot in there to support it. It's not just speculation with anonymous sources. So yeah, I mean, this is part of what you have to ask yourself too, is whomever you bring in and there's been names like Jim Bob Cooter floated around, uh, whoever you bring in it, it first and foremost, at least as far as I'm concerned is it better be with the strict edict of fixing Jalen Hurts. And you better be sure that that person can do it.
0: Yeah, when you're paying Jalen Hurts 250 million, he's he's not going anywhere. So it better be a coach that can do it. And do you know any Jim Bobs? I was talking about that no. on my show before. I've never met a Jim
3: Bob. No, definitely not from uh, South Philly, Jim. Bob. No, there's there's no Jim Bobs. There was no Jim Bobs in Delco. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go old school on you here, Bill. Uh, for for our younger folks, look it up. But it, it, it he strike that strikes me as a name of somebody on the Dukes of Hazard, which was an old tv show in the 70s and 80s where they were in like arkansas driving around and you know the their crazy car anyway but yeah it's uh you know look his track records decent the name does not instill confidence if if i'm being real uh in an eastern city but uh whomever it is the other thing i was a little bit encouraged by they're also again you got to take all of this with, with a with a grain of salt there's speculation that they may go a different direction defensively. And even a name like Wink Martindale was being thrown out there. That's so when surprising. I hear that, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking, okay, this is a real departure from the bend. Don't break. We're just not going to give up the big play kind of thing. If that's the case, I'm, I'm heartened by the fact that they're looking at things a little bit differently. In, you know, one Novacare way, like let's change it up a little bit. Maybe let's be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe the way we've been doing it, Hasn't worked, so we got to change it up.
0: The interesting thing is, is, and I know fans want the Eagles to be more aggressive. Everybody loves blitzing. We we are still in love with the Buddy Ryan gangrene defenses. But you look at Wink Martindale over the last couple of seasons, and even though he blitzes pretty much more than anybody in the NFL, number two this year, number one last year, it's not like their defenses have been that good. No. I mean, you look at this season, the Giants, even though they blitzed, more than anybody in the league, with the exception of the Minnesota Vikings, they finished 27th in yards against. They weren't number one in takeaways, which I'd like, but I'm not sure that blitzing that much is the answer. Do I want them to be a little bit more aggressive? Yes. But that much more aggressive? I'm not sure that's not sure that's the answer in, in today's
3: NFL. Yeah, like this is the thing with the blitz thing, and I, and I get it. It's fun. Like, it's fun to just go, you know, all out. Like they do, you know, we were, we were all weaned on buddy and Jim Johnson and all that, who were very aggressive guys. You better have the personnel to be able to handle it. Yeah. If you were going to blitz, you better have corners and safeties and linebackers who can handle themselves in one-on-one coverage, because there's going to be more bodies going towards the quarterback, less bodies and coverage. It's only it's natural math here. And if you're asking me, if this team who couldn't handle coverage when you were giving them help can handle blitzing type coverage, Uh, Not right now. You better upgrade your personnel or change your personnel if you're going to do that.
0: I'm glad you say linebacker, Rob, and we could talk about this more later in the show, but the reports that Howie Roseman didn't even pick up the phone to call TJ Edwards. Clay Harbor reports that this weekend, and then they go into the season with the linebacking crew that they had To me, I think Howie Roseman's not getting enough heat. Everyone's talking about firing Nick Sirianni. I don't think you fire Howie Roseman. I think he's a good GM, but he better learn from the mistakes he made this offseason by ignoring key positions like linebacker and safety and trying to piecemeal it with guys late in the season didn't work out. And you look at who's still playing
3: in the NFL tournament, some pretty damn good linebackers on these Uh other teams. So two takeaways I had from the weekend, you know, in addition to just the, I know the Eagles and we were, we heard that at nauseam from people. Do you believe the Eagles beat these teams? Yeah, I know they did. But what I, what I watched this weekend was teams that had stellar linebacker play and teams that were willing to run the ball and stay with it. You know, even having, you know, explosive wide receivers, they were two of my takeaways from this weekend that just stood out. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up, Bill, because at 12 o'clock after Jeff McLean, we're going to walk through how he's moves this off season. That includes the draft that includes trades that includes free agencies. And it, I'll tell you right now, it ain't a good grade. Okay. Even a little bit. Um, so we're, we're going to walk through that because if you, I mean, honestly, if you, you assess this, thing, I, I like Jalen Carter is going to be a beast. I know he slowed down, but I am a huge Jalen Carter fan, you know, other than maybe Sidney Brown, you got very little from your draft you got very little other than DeAndre Swift from your free agencies and free agent moves and your trades. So we'll, we'll we'll dive into that, but yeah, I mean, I look, I think that there, that's why I really hope, and this is something we always get back to because the Eagles tend to under Howie have extreme highs and extreme lows. Not extreme lows is probably a bit of a stretch. They have extreme highs and then there's a fall off. And this year was a fall off. Okay. So, I, what, what you have to try to find is some some middle ground here where you don't, you know, go through the, uh, the floor and, and end up in the basement when you're, when you're on the third floor. And that's the thing I think they have to figure out. Why is that? Why is there such a high variance uh, a lot of times? And I hope that Jeffrey isn't so tightly woven with Howie that he has the ability to say, hey, man, what are we doing here? Why did this happen? What are you doing to change philosophically? How are we going about this? And I hope that that's the case. I don't know that that's the case. And that troubles me.
0: Yeah, I posted a video this weekend on this very thing that as great as Super Bowl 52 was, one of the greatest days of my life as an Eagles fan, being there, watching it, I'll never forget it. But I think in a lot of ways that emboldened Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie that, their arrogance now is kind of through the roof that we can do this. We don't need to pay linebackers. We don't need to pay safeties. We'll go out there and we'll find somebody. You know, we did it in 2017. We found a one-year deal that worked. We did it and got it to the Super Bowl in 2022, getting some one-year deals with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You know, we'll just do it again. And the problem is, is that what we saw this year, that's not always going to work out. You're not always going to be able to find a player especially late in training camp like they tried to do or late into the season like they tried to do. And then you got all these new players that you brought in on these one-year deals on defense. You got a new defensive coordinator, and then you also decide to change that defensive coordinator midway through the season. So I just hope that they don't look at it and say, oh, this was just the outlier. We've done this before. We can do it again. Right. But I think when you really look, and we'll talk more about how he's moved this offseason, I really think – where this all started was four years ago. Because if you look at his draft picks dating all the way back to 2019, they've missed way too much on the defensive side of the football. He's done a good job with D-tackle. We know he can draft D-tackles. It's every other position. So you can't expect all your rookies this year, even though I do think some of these guys are promising with Sidney Brown and Keely Ringo and Jalen Carter. If you truly had Super Bowl aspirations, what you needed was guys who were still pe- playing on that four-year rookie deal. You needed guys you drafted four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, contributing on defense, and you just didn't have it. There was really a real lack of young talent that you drafted and developed, and that's why it makes it so much more frustrating that they let homegrown talent like Edwards and Epps walk.
3: Yeah, there are positions that Howie, just, Howie and his, his scouting group just do not identify well. Corner's one of them. That's why you had to sign Bradbury. That's why you had to trade for Slay. Uh linebackers one of them. You know that you, you counted on Kobe Dean this year and Kobe Dean didn't play well, just couldn't stay on the field. And and they've ignored the position in in a, in a big way as well. Uh even Edge like yes Sweat has turned out to be a player no doubt. Uh but although had a terrible finish the season. But you had to go out and sign Hassan Redick you know, and you're probably gonna have to make a decision on Hassan Reddick because he enters the last year of his deal in 2024. And I guarantee you he's gonna want to have a conversation with the front office as he goes into the last year of his deal. And he's got so, a big he's got a big cap hit too. So they probably want to do something. I'm hoping it's restructure and keep him, but you never know what right. they may do. You don't know. You don't know. So um that's another area. You know, that the, the thing that worried me too, just to stay on that for a minute. Uh the thing that worried me. The, I mean, it's really been about a three-year thing. The Eagles have had a lot of people poached from their front office. Andy Weidel, Andrew Berry, uh, uh, just to name a few. Joe Douglas, just to name a few. There's been a lot more than that, but that's, you know, that's the, the headliners. And eventually, it's like anything else. You keep taking away coordinators. Does that hurt the head coach? You keep losing players and free agency. Does that hurt the team? You know, how much of that is it's really hard to replace good people versus you just didn't bring in the right people, you know, if you're Howie. So that, and that dates back to the time period that you're talking about here, Bill, not just last year, a few years back as well. And I think maybe we're seeing that come to a head also.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, they drafted in 2018. <clears throat> listen and, listen to the edge rushers that they've drafted since that 2018 draft. Yeah. 2019, they drafted Sharif Miller. He's not even in the league anymore. No,
3: Philly kid. Penn
0: State bust. Yep. 2020, they draft Casey Tuhill. Well, he's now on the Washington Commanders. Never contributed to the yeah. Eagles. 2021, Teron Jackson. He's on your practice squad. Patrick Johnson, pretty much just a special teams he's player. A guy. So now you're getting nothing yeah. from those edges. 2022, Kyron Johnson. He's now on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then in 2023. They take Nolan Smith, who I'm not ready to rule a bust. It's only one year, but he didn't give you much this year. So now for the last four years, really five drafts, you've gotten nothing from the edge rushers that you've drafted. And that's why you look this season. There was no depth behind Reddick and Sweat. They had nobody. I know people are going to say what, why they let Derek Barnett walk. I was fine with letting Barnett walk. He did nothing here. Yep. I think the mistake was bringing him back when you brought him back. This could have brought somebody else looked. in for
3: depth. Exactly. At that yep. They,
0: they should have. So
3: frustrating. Oh, listen, half. you're right. I mean, everything you're saying is correct, and that stuff catches up to you. You can, you can make a couple of really heady moves on one year deals and bring guys in and have great seasons. We taught. We saw it in 2017. We saw it last year last year being 2022 we, we saw it and how we hit on a lot of those um and and that's how you saw, kind of survive that but eventually if you don't draft well i don't care what team it is it's going to catch up to you it just is it's going to bite you eventually and it's biting them now and you know the, now we, we sit here we're on the precipice of them having to make a decision or they maybe already made their decision uh, on nick sirianni and we've seen we're, we're starting to see the staff moves and I, what I really wonder about is if Brian Johnson doesn't get a head coaching gig, I know he's interviewing for some. If he doesn't get the head coaching gig that he's looking for, is he back? Or are you willing to fire him as well? Like I, th- Here's my thought, Bill. They're not going to do anything right now as to hurt his chances to get a head coaching gig. So there might be a bit of delay there. The only problem is w- with delaying there and trying to do right by him, you could be losing out on other offensive coordinators who could go elsewhere. That's the tricky part of this.
0: And I think I saw a report this morning that the Carolina Panthers are no longer interested. They in are. Bryant. He's not interviewing there. That's correct. So that, that was a spot I could have seen him going only because I don't know anybody who is a good candidate that wants to coach for Dave Tepper. So I was hoping yeah, maybe good li- Panthers- I mean,
3: that's, that's just a matter of, I want to be a head coach in the NFL. If you're dealing exactly. with his nonsense. Yeah.
0: But you're right. They may be missing out on some other offensive coordinators. And it's alarming because we've seen the success that Shane Steichen had. And I think that's why there's no surprise. They're looking at Jim Bob because of his experience with Shane Steichen. He's his his offensive coordinator right now. He was a consultant with him in 2021 here on the Eagles. He was the passing game coordinator in 2022 with Doug Peterson. So there's a lot of familiarity here with Jim Bob Cooter. But I'll tell you one thing: I I have a problem with with Jim Bob. In addition to his name, Rob. But one of the problems I have with him is you look back when he was calling plays because he doesn't call plays in Indianapolis. No, Steichen does, and that's why he's
3: allowed to make that move. By the way, some people say, may say, "Well, it's allowed." I thought move. it was. I thought it could get blocked. It can, I thought, but I, I would guess Steichen would let him go if he's going to be his because he
0: doesn't call plays. Yeah, I think Just they technically. Guess. I think they technically
3: you, you could. could I think, but they'll most teams. I don't see Steichen doing that, but you never know. But I'm sorry, get to your your point. But, yeah,
0: I think they could technically block him. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they would let him only because he'd have the luxury of being able to call plays here. But you look back when he was calling plays for the Detroit Lions, two years under Jim Caldwell, one year under Matt Patricia, interestingly enough. 2016, they had the 30th-ranked rushing offense. 2017, the 32nd-ranked rushing offense. And 2018, the 23rd ranked rushing offense. And I was talking to our buddy Jody Mack over the weekend about it. And he made a good point though. He said, well, who are his running backs? Because he didn't have any good running backs, but even still, it's a little alarming. Yeah. Because I want a guy I don't want you to run the ball 50 times, but we saw this year what happens when you're not balanced. And that concerns me that he's had such bad rushing offenses yeah. in
3: his career. I agree. And there's a lot of different ways you could look at it. They were a garbage team, so they're probably trailing a lot. They have to throw a lot. Maybe, maybe that fall, falls in, you know, into that. Yep. I'd like to look at their rushing attempts to see what that looks like as well. But you're right. That's not a, it's not a stat that gets me excited. I, I could tell you that much. Um, all right. So let's hit it. Let's come back. Jeff McLean's going to join us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's Bill Colorillo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube network. I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, uh, I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. you got Alex and the crew in there each and every single week, putting out the absolute best food possible. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the specialized pizza. However you want it, they will make it. But you're not up for pizza. Guess what? Fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, Pennsylvania, 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown, PA. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you hanging with us on this Monday. We are Sports State, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm Rob Ellis. It's Bill Calarola, who was in for Tone, who was in for Derek. Appreciate Bill hanging with us as well. All right, joining us right now, he is a, a must-read and a must-follow as well. Uh, you can check him out on Twitter, slash X, at Jeff underscore McLean. And of course, Inquirer.com. Also, uh, great listen, Uncovering the Birds. Unbelievable insight to what's happening with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's Jeff McLean. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. How are we doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Jeff. Doing well, Man, never a dull moment, right? Uh, so a lot happening yesterday. Um, just give me your sense for, for a couple different things. One, I don't think anybody's really surprised by these, but let's kind of walk through it. Desai, you know, it's reported as being, being fired. Uh, looks like Patricia's just going to walk because the contract's up. Let's start with those items, Jeff. Was this just only a matter of time? And then we'll get into what's next.
8: Yeah, this is only a matter of time. You know, for Desai, it was a matter of, you know, when uh, it was going to happen. And, and it certainly could have happened when they demoted him in week 14. Uh, they decided to keep him. And to his credit, he decided to stay and, and work, work this thing to the end. Um, but it was clear once they did that, that, both sides were are, going to want to move on. And then Matt Patricia, obviously the way the season ended one and four with him in charge of the defense, it became a foregone conclusion that he was not uh, going to be here. I didn't know that he was on a one-year contract, uh, but either way, they would have fired him or whatever, just based upon how he performed. I mean, you know, in his defense, this was a difficult uh, circumstances. These, these were difficult circumstances for him to have to come in and at first run someone else's scheme and then try to implement some of his ideas, and it just blew up in their faces. But, uh, yeah, the Eagles, you know, again, like you said, I don't think it's any surprise that if Nick Sirianni is staying, that they were going to have to get another
3: defensive coordinator. Bill, if I could, just a quick follow-up here. Um, in your estimation, Jeff, was the side done dirty here um, by Patricia, sort of overlording there by him being you know, almost scapegoated for the way things began to go off the rails? How do you view the side's time here?
8: Well, I mean, obviously the Eagles are well within their rights to do what they felt was going to be uh, in the best interest of the team. Um, you know, you know me; I don't give opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I will tell you that there were people in the building that felt that way, and they felt even before the demotion that just getting. Matt Patricia in there uh, kind of overshadowed Sean, who who had one year previously as a defensive coordinator. But this was the first time um, since then, and really, you know, uh, an opportunity for him to kind of go out there and put his stamp on that Vic Fangio defense. You know, one of the things that I had been told was in my podcast was like, you know, just the way you, the optics of of Matt being—I mean, that happens all happens everywhere where they bring in senior. Guys to help out, and usually it's to give him a a soft place to land. And that was kind of what was behind Matt Patricia coming to Philadelphia. Was that um, Howie Roseman was helping Bill Belichick out, Um, and then and then of course you know Nick Sirianni went through the process of interviewing him and liked him enough to keep him on staff. But you know Matt's offense was closer to Nick's and and it was in a position where he could go there and talk to him perhaps more about the defense. I mean, obviously Matt had been a head coach and maybe Nick wanted to talk to him about some of that stuff. I don't know why you'd want to after one of the most disastrous head coaching uh, stints in the NFL, but it's just the optics of that and and the relationship that Matt had with Howie Roseman, uh, some rubbed some of the, uh, some staffers and coaches in the organization, not well. And then it just kind of played out to, we saw what happened. Um, You know. Let me just jump back a little bit too. like even when Sean was asked about Patricia, first he was asked about it once during training camp and he answered it. And then I asked him actually about it again right before the first game of the season, which made sense because it was against the Patriots and Matt had been there for so long. He could help them out. And Sean kind of said, oh, it seems like you guys asked me that every week. And in fact, I've only been asked about it once. So that kind of gave me an indication that, you know, this was something that was that was bothering him. Uh, maybe, maybe it was the question, but to me, I think it was more the fact was that he had to answer the question and, and then, you know, so that it's hard, uh, if you're in that position, um, to have someone who had won Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator before, I think people give Bill, Bill Belichick more credit for that than Matt Patricia, but nevertheless, that that's a fact that he had won Super Bowls as defensive coordinator. Um, and then in terms of Sean Desai, um, uh, you know, I think I, I, he gets a lot of credit for the way he handled this, and and I tweeted this out and spoke to a lot of people in the organization. After it happened, there was not a, a negative word spoken about him and, and his character and his professionalism through it through the end of this, I think, speaks to him um, and, his, and his character. And, Jeff, what throws me off is if you look
0: back to Sean Desai, not that he was doing a great job as defensive coordinator, but... You look at these playoff teams, he held four of them to 17 or less points. The Bucs, the Rams, the Dolphins, even the Chiefs to 17 or less. And then there's talk that they took away third down from him earlier in the season. And then eventually they make that move after the Cowboys game to go to Matt Patricia. Have we been able to confirm whose decision that was? Was that Nick Sirianni's decision or did that come from? Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, because when Reddick talked at his locker the same week A.J. Brown spoke, Reddick I thought, made an interesting statement when he said the higher-ups wanted to make a change. He didn't say Nick Sirianni. He said the higher-ups. So to me, I assumed he's talking about Howie. Have you been able to figure out who made that decision?
8: Um, yeah, so I was the one to report about the third down. I was at the bye that they they started to want to take away the game planning from from Desai and handed to Patricia and a few other assistants. And Sean kind of fought back against that. It was kind of neb- uh, nebulous about who was really deciding it. And I think at one point Sean kind of went rogue and then went back to the way he handles third downs in, in that, in that cheese game. And we saw how well he was in the second half in that regard. Um, they took it away from him full time the week before he was demoted. Um, and then obviously the rest of the way and the numbers didn't improve. Um, to answer your question specifically about who would made the decision, Nick Siriani on the record. He's been asked specifically that question. Said it's been it was his decision, and his decision alone. I asked him at one point what kind of involvement did Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have in the decision. And he said, Oh, well, you know, they're obviously always there um guiding me. But that, I I don't that decision doesn't get made um on an island. I mean, you know, Nick's gotta, gotta at least go through those guys before or at least tell them what's happening. Uh, it's not that they He needs their approval, uh, technically. Uh, But, look, I mean, um, I I don't have uh, sources uh, telling me that it was something that was forced upon Nick Sirianni. Now, uh, I've been around a long time. Uh, I I understand uh, how Jeffrey and Howie uh, have kind of stuck their beak into uh, the coaching decisions. Um, I think typically, uh, historically, and, and this is really more so from Doug Peterson on, not really Chip, Andy Reid or Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson on. Uh, Jeffrey has uh, more involvement in that regard in terms of like saying, hey, we, I want this or, or like, hey, maybe this. And then typically it's Howie who kind of helps the coach execute it because uh, he has a lot of contacts around the league with agents and he knows whose contracts are up, et cetera. Um, I mean, he certainly helped out Andy too and he helped out Chip Uh, And I can give you examples of that if you want, but it was really more so Doug who didn't have as many connections. And then they didn't really like some of the decisions that Doug had made in terms of his assistance. So this has kind of, you know, been a little bit of a trend. Um, So yeah, I think it's fair to point that all out. Uh, I don't have it written in stone enough to report that this was something that Nick had done only because Jeffrey Lurie and
3: Howie Roseman wanted it to be done. All right, Jeff, on that same tip here, let's go back to the, the beginning. Do you know whose idea Desai was? Was that Nick or was that Howie and Jeffrey because it's, it it seems and there was a Ralph Vacchiano piece, which I'm sure you, you, you saw as well, um, Fox Sports that said that you know there were there were some some who thought ultimately they wanted Denard Wilson here, but they passed on him and that's a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. Do, do you know whose idea it was to, to go to the theSI route and, and not go with the in-house candidate?
8: Uh, that was Nick. Um, yeah. yeah, so D- Denard Wilson he interviewed for the for the job. There was internal support from players. I mean, Darius Slay's been very vocal about if he was a guy that he thought should at least have stayed, if not as defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I'd heard since then multiple uh, sources and people in the building just said that you know whether he should have been the defensive coordinator or not, we don't know. But losing him as a defensive coordinator hurt. Now I can understand why they couldn't bring him back when there's a guy that interviewed for the job, if you brought Sean in and Denard's still here and he's got guys that are supportive of him, you could potentially have some sort of uh, division, I think in terms of who um, the guys are looking to. So it kind of made sense. There were other reasons for Denard going down to Baltimore, to take that defensive coordinator, uh, excuse me, defensive backs coach job. It was a lateral move, but he has family down there. And um, it just made sense for him to move on at that point, once he didn't get the job, but it hurt them. Uh, and, the, and, and, they didn't really have anyone as strong in that spot. They elevated DK McDonald, uh, an old time uh, colleague of Nick Sirianis. And this isn't a shot against DK. He's young. Maybe just it, it takes some time for him to mature into that role, but it hurt them in that, in that room, especially with so many young mm. uh, defensive uh, defensive backs.
0: Yeah. So that's what I don't understand though. Did they not have total faith in Sean Desai? Because you mentioned they keep Matt Patricia around for whatever reason, why not give Denard Wilson a shot? I mean, I could understand it if you went out and you found a defensive coordinator that was someone you had total confidence in, you knew he was going to do a great job with your defense. We're not going to give Denard Wilson a shot. Why make that decision when you go with a guy that you clearly don't have a hundred percent faith in, with Sean DeSai?
8: Yeah, I think we have to go back to the original timeline. I mean, look, it, it, Jonathan Gannon had interviewed for the hadn't yet interviewed for the Cardinals job. Uh, he did interview for the Houston job. So the Eagles knew that he was potentially going to leave and th- they obviously had to be proactive in that and uh, finding his replacement. And Vic Fangio was the guy. They already had him in the building. He was, hel- he was a consultant and helping them out through various points of the season and heading into the Super Bowl. And he was the guy, but the dolphins had offered him. He didn't know if Gannon was coming back. The Eagles didn't know if, Gannon, you know, the Eagles thought Gannon was coming back. They thought the Cardinals had moved. They didn't even know that he was kind of on the radar for the Cardinals. And, Obviously, we all know now what happened. Um, you know, Nick, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Gannon moved on to the Cardinals, and the Eagles had to scramble uh, to find someone with Fangio, Fangio uh, committed to the Dolphins. And so they were behind the eight ball, and they interviewed a bunch of guys. I think, that, from what I understand, their top choice was uh, Glenn Schumann, the defensive coordinator for, the, for, the, for Georgia,
9: hmm.
8: uh, University of Georgia. And he did not take the job. And so the, so then they moved on to other other guys and Desai being one of those and and it was Fangio who gave it was Fangio's endorsement which played a significant role in the Eagles hiring him. He told them he said, uh, from what I understand, hey, if you, if you you can't get me, but the next best guy I would I would get Sean Desai because they wanted that scheme. It was hmm. a scheme uh, that that Jonathan Gannon had employed uh, for the most part a variant of it, and the same goes for Desai who. Tutored under uh, Vic Fangio in Chicago for a number of years and then succeeded him as defensive coordinator.
3: All right, Jeff. So uh, there are Jeremy Fowler from ESPN's reporting that Ron Rivera will be interviewed for the defensive coordinator job. Yeah, I saw that. um, You know, and and I know people may say, oh my God, retread. But the last time he was a D coordinator and it was then San Diego, his teams were, you know, second. Uh, actually, the three years, you they were second, fourth, and second, uh, in terms of uh, defensive ranking. So they were, they, they were good, uh, as a defense. Quarter would this? He's also a guy who who was a big believer in linebackers. Would that? Are they change? I guess where I'm going with this is not necessarily Rivera, but do you think philosophically they're going to change things up? Maybe that what their beliefs are, or their core not giving up the big play, not emphasizing linebacker maybe as much? How do how do you view the the, the route they might go defensively?
8: Yeah. So the Ron Rivero interview, they're going to interview a bunch of guys. Um, but since he's the first big name that's out there, it's, it's uh, interesting one would suggest that maybe they want one of these as, as a, one of the players told me we need uh, is a warhorse, So meaning a warhorse coordinator, meaning the type of guy that that probably isn't going to get a head coach job been around for a long time. someone, the, the players will ultimately look up to with a great amount, amount of respect and someone that uh, clearly has a strong record over the years of running defense or offense. And in this case, obviously, Ron Rivero has been a very good uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, retread in terms of a head coach, retread in, ter- in terms of a defensive coordinator. Um, but, and not exactly like Jim Johnson, like, uh, but definitely older in the Jim Johnson way, if you, if you get my drift. Yeah. Jim Johnson didn't have head coaching opportunities um, before or after. Now he became the Eagles defensive coordinator. So, And then, of course, in terms of scheme, Ron Rivera is a guy that is, uh, you know, an acolyte of Jim Johnson and that style. Now, he's, is he always exactly like uh, what Jim Johnson had done? No, but that could suggest that the Eagles are going back to maybe, the, you know, the more aggressive uh, defense that they were histi- historically known for. Um, you know, to me, the Eagles should just kind of like just get the best guy you can get and let him run his scheme. Um, they're going to have, you know, obviously there's some scheme specific players on this roster. You have to be careful about, uh, if you're going to go heavy, wide nine, four man front, because we're what's that due to Jordan Davis. Right. Um, he's just essentially only a rundown guy, but most team, most, most defenses are multiple up front anyway. So I don't think that'd be a huge issue. Um, but the Ron Rivera one's an interesting one, and I think it does play to maybe how the Eagles view um, what they're going to do as a coordinator, in that you just don't want to have guys that you potentially are losing year after year if they if they are successful on either side of the wall. Makes sense. Yeah, I know
0: the Commanders lacked personnel this year, but that was the worst defense in the NFL. So not. Not great, but I, I agree. Ron Rivera has done a, had a lot of success in this league for a while, but I want to jump over to offense for a second and, and specifically talk about Jalen Hurts and this locker room, and I apologize if you've been asked this before. You and I haven't had a chance to talk, but from the outside looking in, it appeared that there was something off with this locker room, a, a culture that we all thought was so strong. Nick Sirianni had done a great job coming in and building this strong culture, and it looked like Jalen Hurts also was a great leader, and now you're starting to see cracks in that foundation. You're starting to see some reports that Jalen Hurts isn't as great of a leader as they want him to be. You started to see things with leaks getting out of the locker room about the offense being predictable. A.J. Brown refusing to talk to the media. What happened? Are you able to figure out, is there a fracture in that locker room between players, between players and coaches? What's going on?
8: I mean, I've been around long enough to know that when things are bad, there, there's – so there's like two ways of looking at it, right? It's either it's bad because the culture is bad or the culture is bad because it's, it's – the culture is bad because they're bad. Um, I Typically, it's probably just a combination of the both, and I think that's how it is in this regard. Um, you know, and a lot of it does start with Jalen. I mean, I'm the one who did a lot of reporting mm-hmm. on – what some key leaders in the organization want from Jalen as he matures here, we have to remember he's only 25 years old. I mean, he's far from a finished product. Uh, that being said, Jalen is very much who he is for the most part. And there is a lot of positive about that. Um, certainly in terms of his work ethic, uh, the way he handles himself, you don't have to worry about this guy off the field at all. Um, very smart, very good, uh, athletically, uh, very good as a thrower, all, all that stuff. He has it um, in terms of what they wanted as a franchise quarterback. But, um, you know, there were, there were some who felt that this year he was different. Uh, and, and, it, and certainly it started very early. I don't know if it had something to do with the franchise contract um, or losing Shane Stiking, but he wasn't, and I think a lot of it had to do with the offense. He just wasn't happy with the way things were going. And, and wasn't maybe playing to what he thought were his strengths. And I think that filtered down uh, to the rest of the locker room. Um, he is the guy, he does, you know, he's stoic is the word that everyone uses, and it's a fair one to use uh, when you're talking about Jalen Hurts. And, you know, the, some of the other leaders, you know, in the locker room and in the building felt like, you know, at moments of distress, Jalen's like, body language and the way he handled himself just weren't uh, what you need in, in that moment. Now there are other leaders in that, in that room who could step up and fill the void, but the quarterback position is just, it's so important. You need someone to uh, not only uh, be that figurehead, but also when things aren't going well and you're part of that reason, you need to take accountability, even maybe when it isn't your fault. And I think we've seen that in terms of how he's handled some of the questions in news conferences. And from what I've heard uh, internally, it it hasn't gone over that way always as well. And I think they want to see some improvement from Jalen in that regard. This is just – this isn't a major thing, but when you play that position um, and – Things are going bad. You have to look inward and accept that maybe these are – there are some areas in which you need to improve. Um, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. So everybody has uh, room to to grow. And with Jalen, he's 25 years old, and he's going to be here at least for another
3: two more years, there is an opportunity here for that. All right, let, let me ask you, Jeff, uh, just about who may be coordinating him. Um, I know yeah. Brian Johnson, and I think the Panthers are out on him, but, uh, but other teams are, are- – You know, are set to interview him Or he's interviewed or whatever I think the Eagles are probably holding off Because they don't want to hurt his chances That would make sense Um, But in your estimation If he doesn't get a head coaching gig Is he out as the OC Or is he back as the OC?
8: Yeah, I mean, again I've been told that, you know If Nick Sirianni is staying There's going to have to be uh,
3: mass uh,
8: changes uh, At the coordinator level And at the uh, position coach level um, defensive coordinator is already out. Uh, yeah, they, I don't think they want to affect Brian Johnson's uh, head coaching interviews. We just found out there was just a report that he didn't even really end up reporting, uh, interviewing for the Panthers job. Right. Um, he did do inter- virtual interviews with the Falcons and the Titans next step would be in person. I, I don't know if he's going to get to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could, and, and it could happen very quickly. Whereas he's out of those job opportunities And then the Eagles can kind of move on and and make it known that he's uh, going to be out. Uh, But from what I understand, that that's where we're going with this, is that uh, Johnson will not be the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: Let's talk about some of these veteran guys because originally it was reported that Kelsey was retiring and now they've kind of backpedaled on that. Do you think specifically with regard to Kelsey that this is just something where he wants to delay it so he can make a formal announcement? Or do you think he's actually considering returning next season
8: yeah so what happened was uh everything about what kelsey had said to the players in the locker room body language th- that kind of thing it was is the perception was that yeah this was kelsey telling everyone that he's probably not going to be back um and that's how it got leaked and then i was able to confirm it from a couple sources myself i talked to Jan- jason Um, even before the locker room was open on Wednesday. And he just said, yeah, I haven't made a formal announcement yet um, about my retirement. I I have not made a decision yet. And typically Jason wants a few weeks. Like, I I think the way he looks at it is like, yeah, maybe I feel this way right now, but I I owe to myself to give myself some time here to not let the emotions of the season and how I feel physically affect my decision uh, about retirement, which is obviously a major decision for him. Um, you know, my expectation is that eventually that announcement will come, um, but I'm not in Jason's head, and you know, who knows? And I think maybe what happens here in Philadelphia in terms of uh, terms of the Eagles could also maybe affect uh, what his decision is. Uh, but you know, I, I, I you know he's
3: leaving the door open, so I'll leave the door open. He, he didn't look super stressed yesterday. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not reading into it any other way. Jeff looked like he was enjoying himself at his brother's game. Well do- <laughs> I think we may yeah, see the same well, in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, yeah I Do that for many, many. Years. <laughs> um, I, I last one from actually, I, I want to hit you with one player, uh, Jordan Davis, and I know there were other guys who certainly fell off towards the end of the year, but it was uh, it was troubling what it, what a kind of ghost he became there. Um, is this just a conditioning thing, Jeff? Is there more to it? He seems. I know Dave Zingaro had a piece today where he said, "I realize I need to be better. I, I appreciate that, but is it there for for him? You think?"
8: Yeah. So he, yeah, he admitted that uh, he had wore down by the end of the season, obviously yeah. if you just watch the film. Yeah. Was it, that
3: was not was breaking different. news either. Yeah.
8: Yeah. So I, th- I think there's, there's two uh, parts to this is one. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the conditioning thing and staying in shape is, is an issue for him. Um, and the, you know, Nick Sirianni even said it as recently as November, he had a really good game, especially down the stretch against the bills. And he was dealing with some injuries and some nagging stuff. So that had that factored into it as well. To me, and this is a question that's always been asked of Jordan ever since they drafted him and moved up to draft him in the first round, was like, okay, this is a guy in college that didn't rush to pass much. You know, he was, he was a nose guard who was pretty much, you know, played rundowns. I mean, amazing 40 time and all the other stuff in terms of his physical capabilities to make you believe that, okay, this is a guy that can play all three downs but he didn't do it in college very much. And a lot of that to do with the fact that they were always getting out ahead and mm-hmm. wins and they didn't even do that, but like loaded with talent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you, you didn't see it on film a lot and, right. and maybe a few times when you saw it, he, you saw him do it, but there was a big question mark about that. And I, I asked, that, I asked that question um, from the very beginning it was like, okay, you know, cause the pass rush, mm-hmm. if you're looking at a defensive lineman pass rush versus run run defense, I'd say it's like 70-30 split in terms of importance. The pass rush is way more important than being able to stop the run. And when you're drafting guys that high, they have to be pass rushers first. And and, and the Eagles have always looked at it that way. So this was a bit of a surprise. I mean, there was a scheme element to this too because they did have uh, three-man fronts they were using a fair amount of. But you can't draft for scheme in, in, in my mind. And so let's you know, again, young, that's a position. It takes time for a lot of times for these guys to really find their way. Um, but when I look at him in terms of his skill set, I, I don't see, see it as much as I see with John Carter when it's just like, yeah, no brainer. This guy is going to be a pass rushing force
3: in the NFL. Mm. Bill, did yeah, you have a talk- last one? Go ahead. Yeah. When, when you talk about pass
0: rush, best pass rusher on the team, Hassan Reddick going into the final year of his deal. You know, he's going to want a new deal. He talked about it even before this season. But the Eagles probably want to sign him to an extension. He has a $21 million cap hit this year under this contract. What do you think happens with Hassan Reddick?
8: Yeah, I think that's a big question heading heading into this uh, offseason. And I'm I'm not really sure it's a foregone conclusion that he's back Um, because of that contract and because what can they afford? Um, and they have Josh Sweat, who, who's got more guaranteed to him th- this coming year than Reddick. So whereas I think Reddick is probably, I would say, a better player than Sweat, uh, although Sweat's a very good player. Um, it may be hard for them to find room to make Hassan fit, and just, maybe Hassan doesn't doesn't want to come back. It, you know, obviously he'll go where the where the money takes him, uh, and that is that is absolutely his right. But the Eagles have some. Yeah, I agree with you. When you're looking at the cap number, they have some finagling they're gonna ha- have to do in terms of that number. And you know, you know, he was obviously wasn't clearly happy with the way he's being utilized down the stretch. Um, I think there was also some internal, uh, you know, how uh, do I, I want to say this uh, in terms of how he was playing. Um, you know, whereas I don't think it was just him. There were a lot of guys I think were chasing numbers rather than playing the scheme. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw the the defense and certainly the pass rush struggle down the stretch because guys are you know if he isn't coming back you know and, and understandably so he's like I I got to get I got to get sacks that's how I get I mean that's how you get good big contracts sure. sack numbers um, they're not looking at pressures I mean I guess they are to some extent so I think that could that that played a role in it as well so yeah I think Hassan Reddick is definitely going to going to be a pivotal. Uh, player to look at this
3: offseason in terms of what the Eagles do that's fascinating you know I, I don't know where the pass rush is coming from if he's if he's not here Jeff I mean other than sweat it's wow all right uh last one I need a little bit of a dust up with Fletcher Cox uh, and I know you have a relationship with him but it was he was a little testy that day first off just from a reporter standpoint how do you handle that like what's the best route to go and do you think he'll be back it's kind of a two-part for me
8: yeah. Um, I guess I'll ask, uh, talk about the football part, which is really what I, I typically only want to focus on yeah. and the reporting part. Um, Cause you know, I, I don't, I, my job is not to be part of the story For and sure. nor, nor will I ever make it, make myself part of the story. Um, Fletcher. Uh, I thought he had his best year in, in three, four years. Me too. I mean, I saw three guys hustling in down to the, to the final whistle in that, in Tampa BG Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams. Um, I'm not saying the other guys weren't giving all their effort, but I'm talking like extra effort. Mm-hmm. And, and Fletcher all season was probably the best defensive lineman. Um, so he can keep playing if he wants to in this league. There's no doubt about it. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he decided he wants to keep playing, the Eagles will bring him back. Um, obviously, probably a reduced number. Um, the indications Jordan Davis was talking like he wasn't coming back. I've, I've heard it from elsewhere too, that um, they expect him to, to retire as well. Um, so, you know, maybe he, he didn't want to talk about it. And maybe he needs some time too, like Kelsey to kind of sort through his feelings about his future in the NFL. Um, so we'll let that play out, but no matter what 12 years in the NFL, uh, Fletcher will go down as one of the greatest Eagles of all time he will certainly be like one of the automatic entries into the uh, Eagles hall of fame. And he deserves consideration for the pro football hall of fame. Uh, To answer your second question, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've had, I think for the most part, a fine relationship with Fletcher. Uh, I've covered him all 12 years and he's been in Philadelphia, Uh, you know, never really have had any incident with him. And and just recently I walked up to his locker stall and and he answered my questions uh, about another story I was doing um so you know I, I have immense respect for for Fletcher um as you know as a football player and and generally for the most part and how we interacted mm-hmm. uh for 12 seasons um and then you know but sometimes I'm in a position where I have to you know uh write stories that may not uh, they might not like or 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 agree with um and and that is certainly their their right uh this this in this case though I was just I thought I was asking a very fair question about uh nick sirianni that other players had been asked and that Fletch, a few questions later was asked and and chose to answer so um so you know that that's how it played out no big deal i'm a big boy i come down there i write those stories i know that they're not not everyone's always gonna be happy about it um but i you know i've covered this team for over 15 years and um i i've had maybe i'm not saying everyone loves me in there but that's not my job right um you know, certainly it helps in some respects to have the relationships. And I, I feel like my reporting and the stories that I've written over the last 15 years show that I have very good relationships in that locker room with a lot of players. Um, So, uh, but that's not my job um, to become best friends with these guys. Uh, I'm a beat reporter. I'm a journalist for, you know, those are what I am uh, first and foremost. Um, So uh, and then, and and then, in, in terms of like, you know, the relationships, uh, with the relationship with Letch, I mean, maybe that factored into how he wanted to answer that question. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I, I stand by that question. Um, and, and, and again, don't feel very comfortable when, when I'm being made part of the story, because that, that's not uh, my goal
3: ever. Yeah, I I respect the way you go about your business, Jeff. You know that. So uh, we appreciate you giving us a couple of minutes here, Jeff. And (laughs) we know it's it's minute to minute, day to day, every second something's happening Eagles-wise. But we appreciate you. And again, check out Jeff uh, on Twitter slash X at Jeff underscore McLean. Inquirer.com and Uncovering the Birds. Jeff, where can people get that? I know it's uh, through Odyssey, but they can get it wherever they listen to their podcasts. Yeah,
8: yeah anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Spotify, you name it. Um, we're on there and we'll, we will have maybe something to sum up the season once they make a decision. Nick Siriani, and then we'll have our next kind of off season proper, season two, off season proper, where it'll be more kind of like a variety of stories of past,
3: present, uh, perhaps future. All right, Jeff. Thanks, man. Keep up the good work. Appreciate your time. Thanks thanks for having me. All right. Take care. That is Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Bill, let's get a quickie and we'll react to some of the things that Jeff had to say. And we'll also look back at the offseason that was this past offseason for the Eagles and may explain how we got here uh, to a degree, whether it's drafts, trades, free agency, et cetera. We'll dive into all those kind of things. He's Bill Calarulo. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because it is a challenge to find the right person to trust with your hard-earned money. But I can tell you from personal experience that I found someone and that is Jim and Principal Financial Group. Uh, Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help getting your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, First off, I love the fact that I can call him at any time and he's always going to get back to me. He's always going to explain things, technical things, things that if you're not a financial expert that you may not know, may not be aware of, he's going to make you aware of it. It's, it's, to me, it's one of the great things about the way he goes about his business. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610 996 You can also email him, Murray, dot jim at principal.com. That's jim at principal.com.
4: And
3: everybody, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hey, let me uh pass this along. Our own Derek Gunn. Tweeted out. You can follow him at the real at RealD Gunn. Um, tweeted out about uh, 11.50, somewhere around there. Uh about 20 minutes ago approximately. All indications are Brian Johnson will not be returning as the Eagles OC. He will land elsewhere in some offensive capacity. Uh, all right, so l- let's let's go there for a minute. Uh, Bill, and we'll, 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 backtrack to some of the things that Jeff had to say before we get into the off season moves that the Eagles made uh, the only, as I said, off the top of the show, the only way that Nick coming back is acceptable to me is if there is a new offensive coordinator and that offensive coordinator is also the one who has the, the most say, I guess the majority of the say in scheming up the, 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 the next week team. Okay. Um, I think that's the right move. I think both coordinators were, frankly, however you want to put it with Desai and uh, Patricia, it was disastrous. And I think Brian Johnson, while given a bit of a shorthand with the way that Nick put things together, also was bad as well. So I'm ready to move on from both coordinators. So if that's the case, I think it's the right move for the Eagles. Where do you fall?
0: Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think you you had to do that. Mm -hmm. I know the final numbers can be spun any way they want to spin them with regard to top 10 offense and all that, it just it didn't pass the eye test. Things looked off. The play calling looked suspect at times. Clearly, Jalen Hurts took a major step backwards this season, so I think he needed to change that up. If you're not going to get rid of Sirianni, which I don't think they should have, bring in a new offensive mind. Let's get a new look at things. Let's get a good play caller because Shane Steichen was a great play caller. There's no doubt, but if you go back two seasons ago, Nick Sirianni started off as a play caller. They started off that year 2-5, and five, and he was one of the worst play callers I've ever seen. I remember right. talking about it three years ago. So I think you need to bring in a strong offensive mind that can call plays because it is. there's There's an art to it. It's not a science. Doug Peterson was also a very good play caller, but they got to get somebody in here who can call plays because – brian johnson wasn't it and nick sirianni has proven he's not it either
3: yeah no question all uh, right let me give you one other thing uh former eagle zach ertz has signed with the practice squad for the lions one of their backup tight ends got hurt in the game uh yesterday uh against tampa and looks like he won't be able to go against san francisco so uh you could do worse with an insurance policy than uh than zach ertz who's played in some big games during his time so i'm, I'm actually glad to see it I, I how cool would that be if He actually got on the field, contributed a little bit and, you know, ended up somehow winning a ring. That would be pretty cool to see. So, uh, yeah,
0: I was already rooting for the Lions to beat the 49ers. So this just makes it even easier (laughs) because love to see Ertz make another
3: Super Bowl run. You and me both, pal. Uh, All right. So and we will get into all the games from the weekend, by the way, and and, and set the tables for the NFC and AFC championship games uh, in a little bit. All right. So. We talked about this a little bit off the top of the show. So I'm going to run through this. Now, I'm not giving you every single pick here, Bill, and I'm not giving you every single transaction that was made by the Eagles, okay? Because we'd be here for four days if we did that, all right? But let's look at it. Let's go through the draft this past se- this past offseason, the 2023 draft. Okay, yep. at number nine, you got Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter finished the season with six sacks, 33 tackles, eight tackles for losses two forced fumbles I don't think there's one person who would push back and say that this was a bad pick yes he slowed down a little bit some of that is understandable as a rookie but I think the dude is the future is incredibly bright where where do you fall on that one
0: great pick I all offseason we all were saying if Jalen Carter's there they should take him I think that was a great pick by the Philadelphia Eagles moving up a spot to get him I'm giving Howie a lot of credit for that one but You're going to get there, but it's the D tackle. We know we can
3: draft D tackles. It's everywhere else. Yep. Okay. So we're good. Everybody's good there. Here's the problem. Here's where we start to really dip into the issues here at number 30. This was, this is the first round pick. Okay. I think we, we, we oftentimes kind of look at Nolan Smith like he was taken in the third or fourth round 30th overall pick one sack, 18 tackles, one tackle for loss. Now I understand he wasn't playing a ton of snaps. I get it. But that is horrible out of a first round pick. Horrible. Where that they felt like they couldn't even put him on the field it tells you a lot.
0: Yeah. And it's not even just the stats. When you watch the games, he looked lost out there. He didn't look like a first round pick. And I had really high expectations for Nolan Smith. I even said going into the draft that if Jalen Carter wasn't there at 10, that I wanted to see them take Nolan Smith. So I was way off as well, because I thought Nolan Smith was like a top 10 talent in the NFL. And he just looked lost at times. And I know he had some issues with his shoulder, but it was, I mean, I don't know if you saw the replay, even in that bucks wildcard game, it looked at one point he's pursuing Baker Mayfield and he tries to trip him because he's so off in his angle. He just did not look like a first round pick. And, Yeah. Now, in hindsight, you look at some of these guys who went after Nolan Smith at 30. Sam Laporta could be a nice tight end on this team right now. Oh,
3: Sam Laporta's a monster. monster. You you talk about the next great one. He might already be there.
0: It's amazing what he's doing. And and he's doing it now in the playoffs with really one leg.
3: Yeah. You see that. He's really banged up. You're right. He's really hurting, man. It's amazing what he's doing. That guy's a monster. So. All right, that's where we start. I mean, that's a first-round pick in Nolan Smith, who gave you a zero. Now, this one, I'm not killing Howie for this. I know this is a pick made with the future in mind. I understand that. It's a good thing that he didn't have to play a lot. Tyler Steen. Tyler Steen is likely going to move into that guard spot if Kelsey retires and Jurgens goes to center. So that's that's just one of those, let's wait and see. I'm not making any kind of judgment on Tyler Steen.
0: Yeah, the next two, and that was in the third round, right? They didn't have a, a second-round
3: pick. That was 65th overall.
0: Yeah, so they didn't have a second-round pick this year. So they had the the two third-rounders back-to-back with where they went yeah. Steen and, and Sidney Brown. And I agree with you. You had to take an offensive lineman there, I think, with Kelsey getting up there in years. You were losing Isaac Sayamala to free agency. So I, I was okay with taking Tyler Steen. And like you said, time will tell. I'm hoping he's going to be able to step up this season and play if Kelsey's down. You move Jergens over to center. Hopefully, you could fill in Tyler Steen, and he's the guy we're hoping he is.
3: Yeah, we'll see. All right, now Sidney Brown, I I think showed you flashes. That's the he was sixty six. He was right after Steen, so he showed you flashes. Um, he looks like a guy if used properly. Now he was thrown into the slot to play slot corner, which he's not. He is a safety. Uh, we know he's a he's a heat seeking missile, but the question is, can, is he going to be able to hold up because he's not the biggest guy in the world? Yes, he's he's a muscle. He's built like a rock but he's not the biggest guy in the world. And he throws his body around. Uh, all in all, I would tell you, I like the pick. I, I, I am. I'm good there where you got him in terms of value.
0: Agreed. And I think Sidney Brown gave us exactly what we thought he was going to give us this year. He's going to play with a lot of aggression. And because of that, he was going to make some mistakes. He actually needs to be tempered down a little bit, which I'd much rather have a guy where you need to tell him, Hey, calm down than to try to get them motivated to play. So, I think Sidney Brown's got a lot of promise. Unfortunately, his season ends with an ACL tear in week 18. Is he going to be ready for training camp next season? But I I did like the pick there. I think he's got a lot of potential going forward. So, yeah, we were both okay with their two third-round
3: picks back-to-back. All right. Now, uh, Keely Ringo, again, I want to really reserve judgment here because it was so chaotic and such a mess in the defensive backfield he looks to me like a guy who might have some potential uh he's extremely young too i mean uh, 21 i think uh he played at this year he he i we're gonna know a lot more about him after having that one year under his belt and where things are next year their size their speed there's ability there i i i i think the future could be bright there we just don't know right now it's it, simply put
0: Yeah, and they gave up a third-round draft pick in this year's draft to move up in the fourth round to get him, so they they were high on him. But you're right, all the the draft analysis coming out with Keeley was he was young, he was raw, but that this kid has all the potential to be a number one shutdown corner in the NFL, and I think you saw it this year at times. As a rookie, I thought he played really well at the outside corner position. I wish – that the Philadelphia Eagles would have made the decision earlier on in the Bucs game to say, you know what? We don't care how much we're paying here. James Bradbury. Let's put him on the damn sidelines and let Keeley Ringo get a shot because he's played well when he's there. So, again, a good draft pick for Howie Roseman. I actually thought, all in all, it's this not past a bad... draft yeah, was one of his best drafts from a defensive perspective, especially when I gave you the draft picks earlier of the prior four years. I thought this was his best year, Howie Roseman. In taking defensive players,
3: okay, off of the draft for one second, then I'm going to go to some of the free agents and trades, et cetera. But are we both in agreement? No matter what the cap hit, James Bradbury will not be an Eagles eagle next year. I I, I say that with a thousand percent certainty.
0: I don't know, Rob. No way,
3: you, you, dude. Did you? The cap hit is crazy. I though. know it is. He well, he can't I'm, be back. He can't be on this. I, I team. Think- if you're putting him on this team, Bill, it's symbolic that you're not really making changes. In my opinion. Well, let's just look because
0: I agree with you. I don't think he deserves a spot, but I'm looking at it here. So if he goes, he's got in 2024 a dead cap of 17 million. Yep. And in 2025, 12. Now I think they could do a post June first designation and they can save a little bit there. But I I don't see how they're going to be able to just move on. This contract is deadly, man. It's dead. They're not going to be able to trade them. So it would be a flat out cutting. And let me see, while you're talking, let me go over to, uh, I just want to see what his, if they do um, a post-June 1st designation, okay. what do we got here? So if they do post-June 1st, he would have a $4 million dead cap hit in 2024, and it looks like another $3 million in 2025, and then they're all voided years down the stretch. So maybe they could afford to do that post-June 1st take the $4 million dead cap.
3: That's what the I promise. He doesn't
0: really play special teams. So it's not even like you could keep this guy he's on the he's roster.
3: He's got to go. He's got to go. Yeah. go, man. You can't, you can't, he can't be here. Uh No shot. He retires Chuck. <laughs> he yeah. He's collecting those checks and I don't fault him for that, but he ain't retiring. No, well, and here's no, my no,
0: no, no shot. Here's my problem with that. Cause you know, I've been very critical of Howie Roseman, this whole, <clears throat> all this whole, End of the season about this defense, and a lot of people. Oh, well, you never could have expected James Bradbury to take that much of a step back. And as excited as I was when they brought back Bradbury and Slay, that's on Howie Roseman and his personnel department to know hey, if we're going to put all of this money in two corners who are both over the age of 30 in the NFL, there is a chance that these guys could lose a step this season. And as good as Howie Roseman is at giving contracts, the one he gave Bradbury is awful, absolutely awful, because of this dead cap number now over the next two two seasons. So, yes, you couldn't expect maybe that much of a decline, but this is what happens when you take the risk of bringing back two 30-year-old corners.
3: Yeah, no question. And they paid the price. All right, let's go to – well, let's start with this one because I think this is absolutely a positive, my opinion. You gave virtually nothing up, and you got DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift rushed for over 1,000 yards, uh, more than four and a half yards per carry, five touchdowns, caught 39 balls for 214 yards. And those numbers could have been even better, in my opinion, Bill, had they utilized them a little bit more. Um, That's a good trade. You you, you got a, a quality guy. I don't know if he's back or not. He's a free agent. But I'm just going off of what we saw. Good move.
0: Definitely a good move. I'll give Howie Roseman that one. I think he gave the offense enough talent. When you look up and down the offense, I think when you look at DeAndre Swift, underutilized, not only in the running game, but one of the things that we were all so excited about when they brought Swift in was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And this season with the Eagles, he has a career low in receptions, the lowest he's ever had in his four year career. So that was a surprise to me. I was really hopeful they were going to use DeAndre Swift as a receiver. And it just, he had 39 catches, but that was the lowest of of his career. I think he could have had a lot more. But yeah, great move. Didn't give anything up. Still on his four-year rookie deal. But I don't I don't see them re-signing him unfortunately.
3: I'd like to see him come back, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, the, the, just the, the way the, they
0: value running backs. I can't
3: imagine. Right. Cuz what may help them is not a lot of teams value running backs and maybe maybe the offer just isn't there, you know, uh, from somewhere else and he ends up testing the market and coming back almost by default. I don't know. that That's one that really could go either way in my estimation. All right, so good move there. Um, the other running back they signed, Rashad Penny. Three games, 11 rushes, 33 yards. Why was he here? Why? I have no idea.
0: And during preseason, when it looked like maybe he had lost a step a little bit, I, I started to say that they may bring back Trey Sermon, over rashad penny and and i had some fans telling me i was crazy I, somebody wrote this guy pretends like he knows what he's talking about and he wants to bring back trey sermon over rashad penny and it's well look how they use the guy i mean they clearly had zero faith in rashad penny there was no reason for him to take up a roster spot he couldn't play special teams at least trey sermon at one point was returning kicks but and then sermon goes on to indianapolis and had some playing time had a couple of carries i No idea what they did with Rashad Penny. I was okay with Howie bringing him in. It was a low-risk move, one-year deal. But once it became clear in training camp that you had zero faith in this guy, why did he take up a roster spot all season long? Not even on your practice squad. All season long. And to go back to Trey Sermon, they didn't put Trey Sermon on the practice squad last season, which led me to believe that they had hopes in this guy that they didn't want a team – to sign him away from their practice squad last year. So they carried Trey Sermon on their roster all season last year. And then they make the decision to cut him to sign Rashad Penny and have him basically sit on your bench all year. That move made zero sense to me. I'm not sure we'll ever get an answer. I just hope and pray that you don't see Rashad Penny sign on another team this offseason and have success next year because fans will lose their mind.
3: Uh, they will. No question about that. All right. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus, 10 catches, 164 yards. He had a memorable touchdown, which was one of Jalen's better plays of the season, rolling to his right, which he dropped You know, in, in, in a bucket. Good play. But you have to start getting more out of your third receiver than what they're getting here. Um, enough Quez Watkins, enough of the Alameda Zacchaeus guys, enough of the Zach Pascal kind of guys. Get a real third wide out in here. Because here's the thing. You can't expect A.J. and Devontae to stay healthy for all 17. Obviously, we saw AJ get hurt and not go, be able to go in the playoff game. And even if they're, they're healthy, how about there's a third weapon there at this receiving court? But Zacchaeus to me, gave you nothing, absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, I remember I think the very first time I was ever on this show with you, Rob, was during the preseason, and the name Quez Watkins came up, and both of us said, He's not even a wide receiver three on this team, nope. in, in our opinion. We we were over him last year. So the good news is both Alameda Dezakias and Quez Watkins are unrestricted free agents this year. So I don't think either one of those guys will be back. But you need that wide receiver three. I don't know who they can go out and get. There's really no young wide receivers on this roster that I'm expecting to take a step forward next year. So you're probably going to have to go out and find a guy in free agency. But they have to upgrade that position you saw what happens on an offense when you try to really run everything through either AJ or Devontae Smith you need that third option I know Dallas Goddard can be that from the tight end position but you need that third wide receiver other teams have it as good as Smith and Brown are I'm not asking for a stud I'm not asking for a top-notch guy but you need somebody who can make plays they tried to do it with Julio Jones he's just past his prime long past his prime unfortunately but yeah that's a move I'm, I'm curious to see who they sign it'll be a, probably a veteran guy or maybe a younger guy who they can get on a cheap deal but you yeah, gotta just,
3: draft him. somebody later and develop I that that'd be nice to, to see that happen um you, you hit on Julio Jones I mean yeah it's just you took a shot he's done you know he had 11 catches, 74 yards, had two touchdowns in the one game, but it's it's over. Uh, it's over. You know, whereas in in years past, like 2017, you grabbed a lot of veteran guys, Chris Long and Patrick Robinson and Nick Foles and Garrett Blunt, et cetera, et cetera, and everyone hit. These guys, again, not swift, but made little to zero impact. Like, I'll keep going, Nicholas Morrow. Yes, if you look at the tackle numbers, you know, pretty impressive. 95. He had three sacks in one game. Didn't have any sacks after that. 12 tackles for losses. You saw his inability to cover. He is slow. There's a reason why Chicago had no problem letting him walk and wanted to upgrade with T.J. Edwards. Zach Cunningham, again, he was an okay stopgap, but you need better than stopgaps and duct tape and glue at the linebacker position. You know, Kevin Byard was flat out cooked. There's a reason why Tennessee was willing to trade him Shaq Leonard. I don't know. He was here for five games. It's hard to really pass judgment on him. And and if they even thought about bringing him back next year, I I don't, I wouldn't hate that, but none of those guys made impacts.
0: And you talked about why the Titans were willing to trade Kevin Byard. There's a reason why the Colts who were in a playoff chase were willing to just cut Shaq Leonard. I mean, clearly the guy lost a step as well. And you know, I know a lot of people want to make excuses for Howie Roseman and say hindsight is 2020. The linebacker position is not hindsight being 2020. All of us were pounding on the table all offseason saying they are ignoring this position. And as hopeful as I was that N'Kobe Dean was going to step in to be the guy we were hoping he was, there was no evidence of that. He had only played 34 career snaps. We had no idea who this guy was going to be. And outside of Nakobe Dean, you really had no insurance policy at all. When it became clear in training camp that they needed more help, they go out, yeah, tried to sign Zach Cunningham, tried to bring in Miles Jack, who retired a week later. Then they had to try to get Shaq Leonard. This was a huge misstep on Howie Roseman's part, not having any backup plan at linebacker, and he did the same thing at safety, and they never were able to overcome it. And that's why I think the defense, as much as – Sean Desai was the scapegoat. I think a majority of the blame for all of the issues you saw on defense have to be on Howie Roseman. The personnel just wasn't good enough.
3: Yeah, look, you, you see it again yesterday. CJ GJ gets, a, gets an interception to kind of, you know, set the tempo uh, for, for the Lions yesterday on the defensive side. And I know he missed most of the year with injuries, but that guy, when he plays, is a magnet for the ball. You decided to let him go. You let TJ Edwards go. I mean, we could go into all the mistakes that were made here, but, yeah, there were – there were mistakes made, and the problem too is you have no idea what the Kobe Dean. You have no yeah. idea what he's going to do next your, year. To me, here, here's where I, Bill I would. To me, he's got to he's got to earn the start. In other words, I bring in two guys who are going to start, and, and if he can outplay them, great. But he is not a starter going in. It's not a given for me.
0: No, and who who is your linebacker? Because you mentioned Shaq Leonard is a free agent. Zach Cuttingham is a free agent. Nick Morrow is a free agent. Who are the linebackers on this roster next year? I guess you have Nicobe Dean, who huge question mark. You have Ben Van Sumeren, who started playing linebacker like one year ago. He was a fullback. He wasn't.
3: That's not what he did in college. You let Christian Ellis, you put him on the practice squad, and the Patriots grabbed him up as soon as you did. So he's not back.
0: There are so many question marks on the defense now because we've already talked about the lack of depth at the edge. Well, you heard Jeff McLean say, not necessarily a foregone conclusion that Reddick's even back next year. So, what the hell is going to happen to this defense? I know we're excited about a new defensive coordinator coming in, but they really need almost an entire overhaul. James Bradbury, you said you'd be shocked if he's back. Sidney Brown at safety—is he going to be healthy? Kevin Byard—can you bring him back and rely no. on him? No linebackers, no edge rushers outside of Reddick and Sweat, and both of those guys are entering the final year of their deal. So it's not just Uh, Reddick, that's going into the final year. Sweat's in his final year. So this is a really tough offseason when you look at this defense. It has me concerned. And look, I see people in the chat saying three and 14 season coming in. This is what's hurting me the most, Rob. Last year, Super Bowl 57, Eagles lost in heartbreaking fashion. But all of us took solace in the fact that when you let the emotion subside, you said, "Okay, we still have a good team. We got a good head coach. We got a young franchise quarterback. We got a lot of talent on both sides of the football. We'll be back. And now after the way this season ended, and you look at this defensive roster next year, you don't know who your offensive coordinator is going to be. You don't know who your defensive coordinator is going to be. You're not 100% sure that Sirianni's the right coach. You're not 100% sure that Jalen Hurts is the guy he was last season. That's the depressing thing for me is now we sit here and it's holy crap. When are we getting back to the Super Bowl? When are we going to be a contender again? Right.
3: Yeah, no, I, I and I think that's all fair. I, I think you part of the approach, and and this should have been what this year's team looked like. Like where I'm going with this is I said all along, even before the season started, the defense is going to take a big hit. I didn't think it would take this kind of hit, mind you, but I thought they'd take a big hit. I thought the offense was just gonna to have to outscore teams and be just be, you know, superior. They weren't. Um and next year. This is why you got to get the OC right because you got to get the offense back to being a top three, top five offense because you're going to have to outscore teams and you have to try to do your best to keep the the defense off the field. They're going to be a bad defense again. They just are. There's too many holes here. Even if Jordan Davis figures it out. Yes, I feel good about where they are at defensive tackle, but the best defensive tackle this year was Fletcher Cox. We have no idea if he's going to be back. Um, if Jeff McLean's right and Redick's not back, I don't know who's rushing the passer it, it, on the edge. Brandon Graham might be back maybe at a league minimum deal at, at, at his age. Sweat disappeared for the last seven games. Um, their linebackers stink. Their corners are not good enough. Their safeties are not good enough. Like, they're going to be a bad defensive team. Just flat out. And another guy we didn't talk about, Avante Maddox.
0: Are you bringing back Avante Maddox? As good as he is when he's healthy, the guy can't stay healthy, and I think his cap number skyrockets this year because of the way Howie Roseman likes to do these contracts. I'm looking up his contract. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Maddox jumps to, yeah, he had a $4 million cap hit this season. It jumps all the way up to 9.7 next season, and that would be the final year of his deal. So are you going to let, Avante Maddox come back with a $9.7 million cap hit in the last year of his deal when the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy his entire
3: career. Just more question marks on top of question marks with that defense. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's just so many issues here at play on that side of the ball, man. It is is a really, really tough call. It really is um, what they're going to end up doing there. But first and foremost, you better get the coordinator right Uh, you better get the coordinator right on the offensive side. If they do move on from Brian Johnson, which has not become official, our own D gun uh, reported a little bit earlier that his sources are telling him that they will move on. Eventually. I, the thing with this bill is I, I, I think the Eagles are trying to be respectful to Brian and not cut ties with him when he still has a chance at a head coaching job somewhere. Once these jobs start to fill and they're, and he's out of the running for whatever teams he interviewed with, then that move will happen, and then that will allow him to go be an OC somewhere else. But yeah. I, I I don't – if you read some, you know, some of the things that Ralph Vacchiano said in his story on Fox Sports, like it's it, he and – his relationship in Jalen had kind of soured. Like there seems like there was a lot that went on this year. And I know some of this is just a byproduct of losing, but damn, yeah. you know how quickly it changes. Yeah, and
0: hold on. I just don't want to let Howie Roseman off the hook. One more – couple other moves he made this whole season. Go off. ahead. We talk about the safety position. So not only did they let Chauncey Gardner Johnson walk, they make the decision to try to replace him because they let Marcus Epps walk as well. correct. So yep. they, they Both make the starters. decision mm-hmm. to try to replace them with Terrell Edmonds, who Mike Tomlin said, he started for us for five years, but here, take him on a one-year deal because yep. we don't want him anymore. That mm-hmm. was telling. And then they bring in Justin Evans, A guy who has not been able to stay healthy his entire
3: career. Four games. Played four games. Four games games
0: they got out of him. And that's exactly what you could expect. So that's why I don't like the excuses when it's, oh, well, how we could have never anticipated these things. Justin Evans has literally been hurt his entire career. He got hurt again. Avante Maddox has literally been hurt his entire career. He got hurt again. So these were all these mistakes just compounded one after another. You just have to hope they've learned their lesson. But I don't know how you fill this many holes on the
3: defensive side of the football in one off season. That's what has me nervous. I agree with you. And and, you know, and again, if there's any positive to glean and, and this is just sort of, um, maybe it's pie in the sky, however you want to view it. But generally when things look really darkest here, how he figures out a way to spin out of it somehow, I don't know how. Point, and I, yeah. believe me, I don't like the variance. I don't like the ups. I'd rather it be more of a straight line or or a climb than the, than the all over the place kind of stuff. But he generally does figure something out when things look, you know, sketchy. Yeah. I will just say that. But things look really. Uh, I'm very pessimistic on the on the defensive side, and you know, you're going to have to destroy the draft if that's the direction you go. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, unfortunately. And and I
0: see you guys in the chat. We talked about it earlier. Brian Johnson. Yes. Derek Gunn reported most likely he is not coming back. People are telling us, read the chat, read the chat. Yes, we talked about it. BGA probably gone, which we're all in favor of. Me and yeah. Rob want to see them bring in a better looking, better looking head coach and not Agreed. physically better looking. Just <laughs> excuse me, offensive coordinator, not head coach. Yeah.
3: All right, let's come back. Uh, We'll continue with the Eagles discussion. We will also dive into what went down this weekend with the divisional round games in the NFC and the AFC because the table is set now. We know who it is, Lions and Niners, Chiefs and Ravens. We'll get into all of that and some observations that you take away in watching these games in regards to the Eagles. As well, and a ton to do in our NFL segment coming up at one o'clock. Don't go anywhere. He's Bill Collarulo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. i want to tell you about pro action restoration. Yes, pro action restoration. We've had some really tough weather in our area of late. Uh snow, some heavy rains prior to that winds. And I know a lot of people who had damage, a lot of people who had damage to their house, some flooding, some other issues, fire, unfortunately, uh, some mold, some smoke issues. If you have any of those problems, ProAction Restoration is the place that you reach out to. They are on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. You know, the water damage issues that I had, they came out to my house, they fixed the problem, and they put a plan in place for me, and they worked in conjunction with my insurance company, and it couldn't have been a better situation for me. Uh, they are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. And again, they will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com.
4: L.E.S. Eagles.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis, Bill Calarulo. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I uh, had Jeff McLean on a little bit earlier. If you want to catch any of that, go to JacobSports.com. Jacob Sports YouTube channel tomorrow. Joe Laquito will join us. Uh, Joe, very interesting article for Bleeding Green Nation today. Uh, had, had a bit of a similar feel to the story that he put out with Carson Wentz, although he was... Uh, quick to point out in the article that he that, that the players he's talked to are saying this guy's not Carson Wentz let me be real clear but there are issues there are issues uh and he supported it with numbers and it wasn't just a a Jalen Hurts piece it was an Eagles 2023 failure piece uh and, and how he got here coaching Howie uh the whole nine so it's a pretty fascinating reading and uh Bill will be with us tomorrow as well and we'll have uh, Joe at 1130. All right, Bill. So let's look at it, man. Let's, let's go. Wh- let's work, uh, from yesterday into Saturday with the divisional round games. And let's start with last night, a classic. Let's start there. I mean, if you're an NFL fan, uh, highly entertaining. Uh, I, I, personally was rooting for the bills. I, I don't need to see any more chiefs, uh, wins. Although I did pick the chiefs to win the game, uh, you know, with, with my head, not my heart, but my heart was rooting yeah. for the bills. Six straight,
0: right? Six straight for uh Mahomes. All six years as a starter. That's insane. It's amazing.
3: And he's he in the playoffs, all told, he's 13 and 3. He's thrown for 4,561 yards, 38 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. The, the guy is a big time big game player. Um, you know, I I I actually I feel bad. I first of all I feel bad for Bills fans, number one. Uh their kicker, wide you know, right wide right, which is just brutal irony, man, on so many levels for them. But also the, the the other tough part of this for me is on that final drive, which they, you know, they didn't score a touchdown, they had to end up trying to kick a field goal, which missed. There were two plays that stand out to me. One, earlier in the drive, Josh Allen throws a moonshot down the field, which Stephon Diggs has to catch. It was a an excellent throw in my estimation, mm-hmm. and he doesn't catch it. And then the last play where he had the receiver open in the end zone, unfortunately, Deion Dawkins, who's a premier left tackle, gets pushed into him, hits him as he throws, and it comes up a little bit shy. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Bills. You know, if there was ever an opportunity for them to take care of business, it was last night, but they didn't. Yeah, and you look at Stefan Diggs. What the heck happened to him?
0: One catch, or was it seven yards? Total non-factor in the game. And, I mean, he's – you have to make that play. I mean, it's a perfect throw. You have to make that play. You are a number one wide receiver, a receiver who loves to complain when they're not getting opportunities, and he's been disgruntled before. One catch, seven yards, and you have the ball in your hands, and you drop it. That was a massive, massive drop. But, yeah, I do feel bad. And, you know, you look at Sean McDermott. Is he safe in Buffalo? Did he do enough down the stretch? I think he did. But I see people saying, you know, you should fire Sean McDermott. Questionable call. That fake punt to DeMar Hamlin. Now, if that would have got picked up, you know, that would have been all over the place. DeMar Hamlin picking up the first down. But not necessarily. What I don't like about that there is if you're going to choose to go for it, you have Josh Allen. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, he turns the ball over a lot. But one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I'd much rather have the ball in his hands trying to pick up a fourth and five or whatever it was, then putting it in DeMar Hamlin's hands to try to pick up that fourth down. But that ended up not hurting them. No, they, they got get lucky, lucky with
3: a fumble through the end zone.
0: Yeah. Fumble through the end zone, which digress for one second. NFL has said they're going to look at that rule this offseason. I hate it. I've always hated it. I, I've said I think it's the dumbest rule in the NFL. I'd love to see them get rid of it. Same. But yeah, that came back not to not to hurt them because they get the ball back. But yeah, Stefan Diggs, in my opinion, really let his team down. Number one wide
3: receiver not coming through on that play. Agreed. Agreed. So the Chiefs continue to do it, man. They did it on the road, which hasn't they haven't had to do because they've they've had so many opportunities because they have the best record uh to play at home. But they will travel next week to Baltimore. So let, let's just stay on the on the on the AFC for a minute. So Baltimore, really the first half, Houston hung. They hung around. Uh, they had a big special teams play on the on the Sims return. And you're thinking, all right, you know, maybe this is the formula. Hang around, hang around. Baltimore in the second half just said, you know what, bye. Goodbye. Hit, hit, hit the gas and you're in the rear view and this thing is over. We're going to impose our will. And what you saw in that game, a couple things that stood out, Bill. Uh, a, Lamar Jackson was brilliant, but incredible linebacker play from Baltimore in that game.
0: Incredible. I mean, you saw it in both games on Saturday because you have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen on the Ravens. You got Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw on the 49ers, and they were making plays all over the field. But the Ravens – look, the Chiefs never count them out. Never. Patrick Holmes and and Andy Reid, but the Ravens just look like they're unstoppable this season. I I don't even think a team in the NFC can beat them in the Super Bowl. I I just think the Ravens are that much better on both sides of the football. And when you have Lamar Jackson – playing as well as he's playing right now they're going to be a really really tough team to beat and you know the reason I think you saw the Houston Texans kind of hang in there in the first half was there's that thin line between rust and rest Mm -hmm. and the Ravens basically they didn't have a they didn't have to play in week one of the playoffs but they also rested their starters in week 18 a little bit rusty maybe things were a little bit off but once they came out at halftime they just turned it on and it was over
3: yeah no question it was it was impressive look there there's a reason why they were the number one seed you know there's a reason Mm -hmm. why they had the best record in the nfl and they showed it jackson's playing great their defense is phenomenal harbaugh's a great coach i mean you know this this sets up for a really fun one so the ravens are minus three and a half right now bill as we roll into uh to sunday's afc championship game that's about right i i can't really you know that line I thought it'd be three-ish, so it's three and a half. So I'm not surprised uh, that that's what it is. I agree with you in that you never count Kansas City out ever. Um, But my early leaning is towards Baltimore. Uh, It it feels like their year um, for sure. All right, let's look at the A, the NFC. Real real quick, before you move on from the Ravens, just real quick. This is—I mean—you
0: look at the Ravens, and this is something where, as an Eagles fan, you could take a little bit of joy in. Is look, Lamar Jackson had a great MVP season, and then took a step back, and now you're seeing. He can be an MVP caliber quarterback. John Harbaugh, not a play caller, CEO-type coach, has gone through offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, and they keep succeeding. So there is hope with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. You don't have to necessarily have a head coach that calls plays or you know, thinking that Jalen Hurts, oh, that was just a one-year wonder. This happens. Defenses adjust, and now it's up to can Jalen Hurts and the Eagles adjust next season. So don't give up hope, guys.
3: Thank I agree all. with you. I mean, I think there's two examples. So they didn't like the direction of their offense, and they made a move, and they brought in uh, Todd Monken from from the college game. He was George's offensive coordinator, okay? He comes in. He changes the way they're doing things. Lamar Jackson thrives. Other side of the ball, and I'm trying to remember if it was this year or the it might have been the previous season. John Harbaugh goes and, and grabs Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald had been on his staff previously but then went to Michigan to be the defensive coordinator with his brother jim brought him back as the dc you know again i know they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball but he is he is excellent at orchestrating that talent so my the point is not only with the ceo thing you can make coordinator moves and get things going in the right direction very quickly if you draft the right way and and that's my
0: dream you talk about a michigan defensive coordinator That's who I want to see. the. If they could get Jesse Minter in here, that's who I would love to see them do. It looks like they're probably going to go with a more veteran guy, hearing names like Wink Martindale
3: and now Ron Rivera. But, man, if they could get Jesse Minter in here, I'd love that. Agreed. Agreed. So good stuff there. All right. That that should give you a little bit of promise if that's the case. Um, All right. So let's go to the NFC. Let's start with the Saturday game. I'll tell you what watch out for green Bay as, as the years, you know, go on because Jordan loves the real deal. Those receivers are all going to hit their sort of maturity right at the same time. They have Aaron Jones, Matt LaFleur and love appear to be really, you know, good together. And on the same page props to them, man, they scared the bleep out of the 49ers Saturday.
0: Really, if their kicker could make a 41-yard field goal, we may be talking about a different outcome here because that would have made the game 24-17. Niners would have just been tying the game up. Right. But you're spot on regardless of what them being out of the playoffs means. I'm looking towards next season. Jordan Love looks like the real deal. We know how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is, and now you throw on top of it all these young offensive players, and they put up the graphic last week against the Cowboys. All these guys set records with regard to how many receptions, how many Mm -hmm. touchdowns, how many yards from first- and second-year players this year on offense. They look like they're going to be really, really tough. And you look at Nick Sirianni. This was one of the reasons I said they should bring him back. You look at his regular season winning percentage. It's 14th all-time, and it's number two in active coaches, the only active coach that has a higher regular season winning percentage right now. It's not Andy Reid. It's Matt Lafleur, right. so be careful because the Green Bay Packers, really since Thanksgiving, have been one of the better teams in the NFL. And I was hoping they knocked off the Forty Nine ers. Forty Nine ers didn't look great. they nope. looked off at times. When Debo Samuel's out, a completely different offense. But
3: we'll see. They're they're still favored at home against the Detroit Lions, but that should be a really good game. Yeah, so DeBo again, it's Monday. We got a long way to go till they play Sunday, but right now the the talk out of San Francisco is he's about 50-50 to play in that game. Changes a lot if he doesn't play in that game. The other thing is if you have inclement weather uh you know next week in San Francisco. I don't know what the weather forecast is for Sunday yet, but he had a tough time, man, in that in that rain. And I'm not saying it was easy for anybody, but he's got smaller hands and it was it's it appeared to be an issue for him. So that's again, something to keep your, your eye out on. Um, all right, let's go to yesterday. So the lions beat the bucks, perhaps to the bucks they hung with them. Uh, but ultimately you saw a lions team that stayed committed to the run game with Gibbs and went with Montgomery and, uh, a really good offensive coordinator who Ben Johnson, who I think will be a head coach before this cycle is done with. Um, and Jared Goff, who nobody wants to ever give any props to that, that guy has done a hell of a job in Detroit.
0: Really underrated. I mean, I think he's starting to not be underrated anymore because of the success he's having with Detroit. But he's been an underrated quarterback. He's had a lot of success. Brought the Rams to a Super Bowl. And now one game away from bringing a second organization to the Super Bowl. Uh, but we just did the exercise of looking at Howie Roseman's draft picks from this season. My God, did the Lions do a good job drafting Rad this Brad Holmes
3: year. is awesome.
0: Look this at this. Jameer Gibbs. Round one, pick number 12. And at the time when they took Gibbs, I was questioning it. I like, mean, you trade away DeAndre Swift and you take Jameer Gibbs as your number one draft pick. Yep, Turned out to be a good move. Jack Campbell, also first round pick. He's playing well. Sam Laporta, second rounder, and Brian Branch, second rounder. They hit four for four on their first four draft picks who are contributing to this Lions team. They're going to be tough, and they're an easy team to root for, man. That, that that Lions fan base, they do deserve this.
3: I'm with you. You know, I'm with you in a big way for them. Uh, you know, we talked about Buffalo being deserving. You know, you think about this with Detroit, man. It is – it's almost unfathomable. I mean, the last time they won a championship was 57, okay? Eagles fans had to wait, you know, go back to 60 before the 2017. They go back to 57. The last time they were at a championship game, like a conference champ, was 92, you talk you know about more nice than though, thirty Rob? years, isn't that crazy?
0: The nice part is though, they now have more championship appearances in the last twenty five years than the Dallas Cowboys do.
3: <laughs> isn't that nice? I know i I needed something, man. I needed a little <laughs> Cowboy shot. I needed something. It was. It, it, it's, yeah, it's been rough. Sort of rough go lately, man. You know.
0: It is, but you do. You do like the way, even putting aside how much I'm rooting for them because they haven't been there. I like the way they play. I like yes. their aggressiveness. I like that they stay committed to the run. It's just a really good, balanced team, a balanced attack. And you're right. We'll see how they can survive losing the coordinator because there's no doubt that somebody's going to swoop in and take Ben Johnson for oh, sure.
3: I'll I would, I'll tell you the other guy that I really like, and I don't know that he'll get it this time around, but he might. Dave Canales with, with the with the the Bucks. Bucks. He, boy, I'll tell you what. like He's rejuvenated Baker Mayfield. I don't think they have incredible – they have Mike Evans, mind you, but I don't think they have incredible talent on that side of the ball. He's done a really nice job. That guy's future is extremely bright. Yeah, he did do a nice job, and
0: I don't think Todd Bowles – was going to survive this season. And then they I mean. go on this crazy run and win a playoff game. So I think they're kind of stuck with Bowls. He's back.
3: But, he, he can't not be back getting to the divisional round. Yeah. No, After if you're losing Brady, he's got to be back.
0: He's he has to be, but you know, if I was the Bucs, they're not going to be able to do this. But I'd rather have Canales next season saying Bowls, because you're going to lose Canales. So they're probably going to take a big step back. And is Mayfield only on a one year deal Yes, deal, I assume? He's in on a one year deal. He's
3: a free agent. But so he they said, "Make
0: a decision on him."
3: Yeah, he said after the game he wants to be back, and they said they want him back. The only thing, the only issue, and, and look, I'm I'm glad to see Todd Bowles have a little success. He's a Temple guy, but what you had one timeout to use on on Detroit's last drive. Why not use it? I I don't understand that. Like, yeah, well, let's go back even before that, and I know that's the analytics
0: play, oh, but cool. you're on the road. Yeah, you score a touchdown, you kick an extra point, it's a seven-point game. I don't like it. And they go for two. I don't like it either. And I know they tried to defend it on the broadcast. Collinsworth gave us the whole reason why they do it in analytics. But throw analytics out the window. You're on the road. You have a chance to make this a seven-point game. You got momentum on your side. You don't get the two-point conversion. It just To me, it doesn't make sense. I don't care what the analytics play is. And we were touting Matt LaFleur talking about analytics. I love that he said, I don't care. The analytics tells me I need to defer when we win the toss. I want the damn ball. He did it against the Cowboys. And then it worked yeah. out again against the 49ers with the Niners deferring. But yeah, I did not like that call by Todd Bowles to go for two in that situation.
3: I don't either. I, I don't want to have to get the, the touchdown in the two. If I don't have to, uh, again, I, I get it. I know I'm sure someone's going to pull a chart out and give me the, I get it. I understand that maybe I'm just old school, but I don't, I don't like it. And, and, yeah, I'm glad you touched on Dan Campbell. You know, he was, you know, sort of mocked and laughed at with the whole bite kneecaps and, you know, the way he came in, just sort of just fire and brimstone, whatever. That dude connects with his players, man. A- every one of them, like Goff after the game, a couple other guys after the game said, best leader hands down I've ever played for in my life. I, nobody's even close. He connects with his players. He gets it. You know, and he's another guy like, you know, he just – He's, he's got kind of an old-school mentality, but he knows how to connect to the present-day player. Boy, boy, they got a winner there, man. Too. So.
0: They do, and I love that he stayed true to their identity all season of being aggressive. I mean, they went for it on fourth down more than anybody all year, and now yeah. in a big game and a big moment in that divisional round, fourth down, I think it was around the three-yard line, two-yard line, they decide to go for it and score a touchdown, and that's the way the guy's been all season long, and that works. That's what we loved about Doug Peterson. They were aggressive. They stayed aggressive. They stayed aggressive in the Super Bowl, and that's how you win championships. But you're right. I mean, the first press conference he gave, and the clip was circulating on X all the time. Yeah, it was it was awkward. It was cringy a little bit with the, you know, biting the kneecaps. You almost felt bad for him, like getting like secondhand embarrassment a little bit, like, oh, man, this, this isn't going well. Yeah. But that's why, and we've said it before, you can't judge head coaches by their first press conference. No. I mean, even and Sirianni- I, I
3: was not one who killed Sirianni. I know it was goofy, but it was on a Zoom. Like I'm not. Yeah, we were we were all still in the in the early stages of figuring this thing out on you know virtually and all that. Anyway, let let me give you this. So this is if you want more of a sign that Nick Sirianni's back, the Eagles will hold their end of season press conference with Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni on Wednesday. That he's, he's back. So in case there was, I had no doubt at this point anyway, but if there was any, ever any doubt, he's not sitting up there with Howie, you know, in front of the firing squad, answering questions, if he's not going to be back. So Nick Sirianni will be back Wednesday, Wednesday, two days from now, uh, will be the, the end of season press conference. That's going to be fascinating. Here's my other guess though. Here, here's the other thing to, to keep in mind. If in fact, the Desai thing and the Patricia thing, we know those guys are out of there. Can you really not have made a move yet on Brian Johnson and and have that on Wednesday?
0: No, and I would venture to say the reason why Derek Gunn was able to report what he reported is they're probably going to start leaking over the next couple of days that he's going to be out. Yeah, and a little teaser. Tonight on the Legal Hands of the Face show that I do at 6.30, we're going to be joined by our man, Derek Gunn. So Beautiful. D-Gun's going to be joining the Legal Hands of the Face show tonight. So be sure to check that out right here on the Jacob Sports Network at 630. D-Gun joining the show. Always fun when we get a chance to talk to Derek.
3: Oh, the best. Are you kidding me? The best. Uh, all right. So interesting. Fast and furious, like we said. All right. Let's come back. There's some updates on coordinators. There's a former Eagles coach, and I don't mean Ron Rivera, who's being discussed as a potential coordinator. You're not going to believe this one. Uh, A ton of other stuff going on football-wise, which we will continue to dig into. So don't go anywhere. That's Bill Calarulo. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, they're an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They're experts at trimming all types of trees, And they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com.
4: G L E X Eagles.
3: All right, we're back. That is Bill Collar I am Rob Ellis, hanging out with you. We are Sports Take Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, a couple of things just to, to circle back to recap. If you're just tuning in, uh, so Derek Gunn, our own Derek Gunn, is reporting that Brian Johnson will not be back as the Eagles OC. Uh, word came down yesterday that Sean Desai has been let go by quote unquote Nick Sirianni. That was the tweet, according to Dean uh, Rappaport, um, which at the time was a bit of a sign that Nick Sirianni was going to be back in case you had any questions. Uh, also Matt Patricia's contract is up and he will be, not be back with the, the club uh, according to reports. Also uh, the Eagles will hold a, a season ending press conference on Wednesday that will have Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman uh, talking to the assembled media. So that is another sign that Nick will be back. Uh, And I would guess between now and then, as we talked about, there will probably be something official coming down on the, uh, on the offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. So there's a couple things just to get you caught up on where we are. There's, there's also reports, uh, Bill, that uh, Ron Rivera uh, will be one of the coaching candidates that the Eagles will speak with. Did you have something else you wanted to throw in there too? Yeah, it was reported that the Eagles were also interested in
0: Ryan Nielsen, former defensive coordinator of the Falcons. But Adam Schefter just put out the Jaguars
3: have hired Ryan. Correct, Nielsen. he's out. He is no longer available. So he was Atlanta's DC, and I know sometimes people look at that and say, "Well, Atlanta didn't make the playoffs." He did a really good job down there. He's a very respect. That's a good get for for Doug Peterson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they were kind of undermanned in Atlanta, yeah. and I think they finished with like a top eleven defense in terms of yards again so yeah he did do a good job that was somebody I thought the Eagles were going to talk to but yeah good job for Dougie P
3: getting yep. him yeah so they make that move um all right let, let's hit a couple other things here uh that, that are going on that's going on around the, the the NFL the Bears have hired Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator he was the OC in Seattle with Bill Carroll um you know uh, uh Pete Carroll uh turned around uh Geno Smith Uh, he, he's, he was, he's a guy who another, he was a highly sought after, uh, offensive coordinator as well, you know, and again, I'm not sure what they're going to do at this point with Justin Fields. It's very tempting to grab one of these quarterbacks that are coming out for sure, or, you know, pull the trigger on a trade for Justin Fields, but either way he will be running whatever offense it is, whoever's there uh, with him.
0: Yeah. That's a tough decision for the bears because you could really make an argument for both both things you know keeping the number one pick and trading justin fields Mm -hmm. or getting an absolute haul for the number one pick and i'm not sure either one is is wrong i I think they could probably have success going either route building around justin fields with a ton of draft picks or trading him i saw a report maybe a week or two ago that the falcons would be interested in trading their eighth overall pick for
3: fields i move I don't know that they would go that high, Bill. I, I think the Falcons could be interested. I don't know that they give up eight overall. I don't know about that.
0: It's interesting. I mean, if they did. On
3: Chicago, though, I'm listening to him. Hey, man, here's there's a for sale sign on talk. Like, talk to me. Like,
0: Could, could you imagine if they were able to get a first-round draft pick for him? They would have the number one pick. They'd have their own ninth pick. And then they would have another first-round pick. Three in the top ten. That'd be wild, man. That would be wild. And I don't know if you saw that um, this was an interesting one that uh, Florio put out this morning, and and I missed it, but he talked about that Brock Purdy in an interview talked about how in the offseason Kyle Shanahan sat down with him and said, if you're healthy, you're our starter unless Tom Brady wants to come back for one season. Right, right. So I thought that was interesting that the 49ers were considering Tom Brady coming out of retirement to play this coming season. And for them, sometimes it's the move you don't make that turns out to be the best. Look where they it's are. True. Now.
3: It's true. But you knew it was always Brady always, because he grew up in the Bay area, always had it. He was a huge Montana fan as a kid, et cetera, always had it in the back of his mind that the, that the potential may be playing there. So I believe there was probably some discussions had um, for sure. And I think yeah. ultimately he probably made the right choice. Dude, don't, don't subject yourself at 46 to this this craziness, no. man. And you mentioned Joe
0: Montana. And I grew up with Joe Montana, loved him. And and I, I think about Montana and Jerry Rice. And it's crazy when you see the stat that popped up on the screen during the Chiefs game that now Mahomes and Kelsey have more touchdowns than Joe Montana and Jerry Rice in the postseason. Like They're that is one wild, old, man. Yeah. Puts it into A- perspective. Andy Reed
3: brought it up in his postgame press conference, and he never brings that kind of stuff up, but he did uh, last night. Yeah, it's amazing. Put it in the perspective. Yeah, Kelsey had two touchdowns last night. Gave the uh, the Tay Tay symbol, whatever the heart symbol to Taylor Swift. <laughs> of course, Jason stole the show with his, you know, his his shirtless. I tell you what, man, the legs appear to be in pretty good shape. Did you see him hop back into the suite after he jumped <laughs> into the stands? I, mean, I did. He'll get up a little bit, Bill. I mean, I'm going to maybe say
0: something that's going to get me killed from the fans here, and maybe an unpopular statement. I love Jason Kelsey, and I love that Jason Kelsey has a blast, and I love seeing him, and I even liked seeing him in the in the tailgate with the Bills fans. But the Eagles should have been playing yesterday. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles should have been playing, and a part of me was a little bit annoyed, and I know I'm going to get killed for saying it, but it's a little bit annoyed to see Jason Kelsey having such a good time <laughs> watching a playoff game when we should be watching him play in a playoff game and i get it that's just who he is and i love seeing. you know you can't really say anything negative about him but it was just like oh man
3: yeah really i mean it's you know what it was it's a reminder like this this should there's no way he shouldn't be on a football field actually playing but like as far as like i know people why is he wearing a chief's hat he's supporting his brother can we yeah no i i I'm okay with that. I'm
0: okay with that. And and, and at first, you know, they do it. And I'm like, oh, I love Kelsey. And then a the part of me is just like, I know.
3: Yeah, but he should be playing in the, the fu- game. You know what the funniest part is? There's a shot when he, I think it's when he just for either. He's still, he might still be in the suite at that point, just pounding a beer down. I forget. But you could see his wife in the background, like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like,
0: it's funny. I showed my fiance that yeah. picture. There was a screenshot. Yes. And I said, How much do you love Kelsey's <laughs> wife? Look, she just knows, yeah, this is my husband. Let it I go. Just, just, <laughs>
3: they'll try and, you know, they'll try and harness this. Just, just go. Yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, speaking of that, though, th- I, this is, again, this came down yesterday. I don't know when she did the interview, but the, but it was, uh, I saw it on Pro Football Talk. Michelle Tafoya, former sideline reporter, about Travis, said that she heard Travis is is going to retire after the season, and yeah. they both ride off into the sunset together. He and he and Jason. Wow, man. I mean, you talk about a guy who still has some left in the tank. We talk about Jason no Travis still has. I a mean, lot both left. guys would go out on really high notes if they chose to do that,
0: and they'd have no problem transitioning into their next uh, career.
3: No, no, no. these so. are not guys who are going to be twiddling their thumbs. There's going to be a lot going on here for, for both of them. Yeah.
0: But yeah. I don't know. I think uh, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. I'll i tell would you so. what, I, I think Jason is probably done, probably done, but I wouldn't put it past him that he gets that itch again, as the season starts to get close, but, for the Philadelphia Eagles' sake, we kind of need him to make the decision quickly because yep. they have to know what
3: they're doing and how they're going to transition. I agree. I agree. I mean, some of it, I, I think some of it, and I think Jeff McClain McLe- alluded to this. I, I'm with you. I think he it's more likely he retires. But if they bring in someone, you know, that he feels strongly about as an offensive coordinator or something like that who knows, you know, anything's possible, but we'll see. I think he's doing the smart thing. He's got to give himself some time and get away from it. You know, <laughs> get away from it as much as possible. I'm sure. What I think, I think two things happen in my opinion, when he's watching Travis, I think there's a part of him. That's like, this is awesome. I'm happy for my brother, but I do think there's a little part of him. That's like, damn man. Can I, can I, do I got one more in me? Do I have one more in me here to, to crank this up and be in this spot again? So I, I think there's a little bit of that too. Uh, you really know, know,
0: it's. And I think we do sometimes forget the toll that this takes on these guys' bodies because yep. there was a, and I think it may have been from a New Heights episode or or something that I saw where Kelsey's wife was talking about how he can't hold the babies too, for too long because his back really starts to bother him and he yep. needs to sit down. And it's like, you know, we don't realize how physical this is. I mean, I only played up until the college level, and I feel it now. I can't imagine a guy like Kelsey who plays offensive line for as long as he's played offensive line must be in constant pain
3: 365 days a year. I agree with you. I don't know how he does it, man. I honestly don't know how he does it. All right, uh, so a couple things. Jim Harbaugh, John's brother, Uh, two updates. One, he will meet with the Chargers again this week. Uh, Will Jim Harbaugh he's also set for a second interview with the Falcons as well so he's met with them both initially the 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 Falcon thing has been interesting it looked like last week it was definitely Belichick yeah the more you see in here people in Atlanta are swearing up and down this thing's still pretty wide open and they haven't come to a conclusion yet hence you know the interview Uh, if you're asking me I still think ultimately Belichick, Atlanta, Harbaugh, Chargers, ultimately. But I don't think either of those is a done deal yet. No, and I'm surprised that Bill
0: Belichick's ego is handling what's going on, that they're still
3: interviewing other candidates. They say he doesn't have a lot of other options, too, Bill.
0: Yeah, I mean, outside of Atlanta, I thought the Chargers would have been a good destination for him. And I was questioning the Atlanta one. I'm saying, look, Belichick, as great of a coach as he has been, learned the hard way that when you don't have good quarterback play, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. He couldn't survive Mac Jones playing terrible football. So I'm like, well, why does he want to go to Atlanta? Does he really have that much faith in Desmond Ritter? And then I saw reports that he may pair up with Kirk Cousins in Atlanta, and that may make some sense. I know Kirk Cousins doesn't have any playoff success necessarily, but that could be a nice
3: match. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. That, that would make sense. That would absolutely make sense there. And there's there's some they have some defensive pieces. They got some other pieces. If you got a good quarterback in there, that would make sense. Um, but were you of the mindset,
0: because, look, a lot of fans were basing their decision on Sirianni, that the reason you need to move on is because look at all of these coaches who are available. And I kept telling fans, even if they fire Sirianni, there's no way they're bringing in, a Bill Belichick, or even a Mike Vrabel. Laurie doesn't like retreads, and he doesn't like defensive coaches. You look at every coach he's hired outside of Ray Rhodes. Sirianni, offensive coach no one knew about. Doug Peterson, offensive coach that no one really outside of Philly knew about because he played quarterback here. Chip Kelly was the only shiny object he went after, offensive coach. Andy Reid, offensive coach that literally no one had on their radar so I did not think if he fired Sirianni that he was going to go hire a Belichick or a Vrabel anyway. So Nor I never I. understood
3: that argument. Nor did I. I mean, really. And even if you want to take it back, and I understand you noting Ray because he was a defensive guy, but Ray was had never none of the the hires he's ever made have had head coaching experience in the NFL. Chip had it in college, but yeah. none of those guys did. So the, it, again, the only way that that happens if they really say, "Hey, we're changing things up, man. We're we're throwing wrap it up." Toss it out the window. We're going completely different direction than we usually do. But I'm with you. I kept, yeah, that's what I kept saying. The Eagles. Man. I'm like, I, all right. Uh, You know, you want Sirianni out. I get that, but it's not exactly going to be what you think it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Just, just brace yourself. Y- you bring up Chip Kelly. It's another one. Yesterday, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. All right. So multiple reports say that Chip Kelly is now being eyeballed again as an offensive coordinator in the NFL, not as a head coach, but as an offensive coordinator. He was the birds coach from 13 through 15. He's been at UCLA since 18. Uh, He spent those three years in Philadelphia. He spent one year in San Francisco and, and, you know, his other head coaching time has been at UCLA, but apparently he's another, now he's a hot commodity again. How does this happen? Is this just a brilliant agent move? Is he trying to get more money out of UCLA? Like what, what is this?
0: Yeah, you never know, right? I mean, it could just be the agent putting it out there to try to gain some interest for him, and maybe he gets a bigger deal. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm an NFL owner, I want zero parts of Chip Kelly in any capacity. Quarterbacks coach, consultant, offensive coordinator, it doesn't matter. You saw what he did in Philadelphia and then what he did in San Francisco. And I don't think you have to go far to talk to some players and other people around the NFL that would tell you, hey, stay away from Chip Kelly because, look, maybe he's a great offensive mind. What we saw here in Philadelphia was an egomaniac who literally tried to destroy a team simply because his ego couldn't put up with star players. We go back to what he did in 2014, 2015, and this brings us full circle now to what you said earlier about Howie Roseman, where where things look darkest. He somehow is able to get them out of it I remember all the talk on sports radio when they fired Chip Kelly was it was going to take years yeah. for them to climb out of the hole that he dug for them, and how we did it in two. So, who knows? But yeah, I want no parts of Chip Kelly if no I'm an NFL you. owner.
3: Yeah, no. And, and and again, if this is agent stuff to get more money, whatever, knock yourself out. But I, I'm good. Um, all right, did you see this too? The the Bills had Taylor Swift themed concessions yesterday. <clears throat> This is right up your alley. They had karma quesadillas. They had bad blood waffle fries that they were offering up yesterday. So it's just, if we can't get enough, let's capitalize more on Taylor Swift yesterday. If, if we're the NFL, even in opposing you know, stadiums.
0: Yeah, Man, look, hey, it's like you said at this to start the show, right? It's yep. all about it's all about the dollar. And look, I get annoyed, but. It's not Taylor Swift's fault. It really isn't. They keep flashing to her. But I'll tell you this, and this is me now because I I hate it and I get annoyed by it. But then I have a nine-year-old daughter who loves Taylor Swift. And she has never once asked me about football. She knows that I talk about it, never asked me about anything. And she says to me the other day, I didn't even know she knew who Travis Kelsey was. And she said, Daddy... Does Taylor Swift's boyfriend still play for the Eagles? (laughs) And I said, Well, her his brother. Oh, she goes, Oh, yeah, that's right. His brother plays for the like the fact that she even knew. So I'm like, it's working. The NFL is getting to a nine-year-old who didn't give a (laughs) crap about the NFL. And she's asking me questions now.
3: now." (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Um, so a couple other couple other odds and ends here. No extension coming for Mike McCarthy. They're gonna ride it out. They're gonna play this year, which you know, I can't fault them and I'm not extending Nick Sirianni either. He he can roll in the last year of his deal. As far as I'm concerned, is this the last year of Sirianni's deal? I think he's got, it's either this year or he's got two, but, but to me, it's like, I don't care. Tough.
0: You know, it's, you know, typical kind of Jerry Jones to, to, to do this, but I'm okay with them not extending Mike McCarthy. If I'm, jerry jones around the cowboys but the bigger question about extending is dak prescott they cannot go into this season dak prescott carries a 60 million dollar cap hit yep it was 27 and 23 it jumps to 60 million and it's the final year of his deal so yeah they could go into a lame duck season with mccarthy there's no way they could go into this season with a 60 million dollar cap hit for dak prescott they're gonna have to extend him to lower that hit and it kind of if you're a Cowboys fan, would you want to do that? I mean, if you had your choice, do you really want to hit your wagon to Dak Prescott for more years? Because I think you have to at this point in light of the contract situation.
3: You have to. You can't have that kind of hit. It's going to, it's going to affect so many other things that you want to do. Um, this is the, that's just the hard thing about that. That's why the Niners are in such a great position with Purdy. It, it allows you so much flexibility. The Eagles had it with Jalen. The Eagles had it with Wentz when you hit that big spot man i mean the chiefs have been able to do it credit to some other teams they've been able to do it too but it's hard when you're paying that much to one guy it really is and yeah i think they're gonna have to they you're not paying him that much next year no shot but the crazy thing is is you talk about jalen hurts yeah well,
0: jalen hurts next year 13 million dollar cap hit 2025 22 2026 32 2027 45 2028 54 so His cap hit never hits sixty million, Mm -hmm. and Prescott's hit sixty million this coming season. And when Jalen's finally gets up higher, the salary cap will be bigger. So this was just look. The Cowboys kind of played roulette with not extending Dak early on. Then they did they franchise him, I think, for a year. Yes, and this is why I know people are sometimes making the argument. How he signed the quarterbacks too soon. He signed Wentz too soon. He signed Hurts too soon. But when you don't sign them, you get into this issue now, where Dak Prescott really has them. I was going to say by by the yeah by the know, stones. Can you yeah. say balls on uh, YouTube? You I think we can. Hey, John Dorotile says balls. He says the team. No, you can you could say you could say whatever you want <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, we're you good. Get, yeah, you have to uh, filter yourself when you get on the radio, Rob.
3: Uh, correct there is uh there are other standards and practices uh that, that go there yeah um all right so other 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 issues here for the Browns uh they expect Nick Chubb to come back they want Flacco back in a backup role next year with Sean Watson uh being able to start the season there so um they're they're you know clearly this was a a year where, had I think if they had stayed healthy, I think Cleveland is another team you really watch for next year. Um, they're going to be dangerous for sure. But uh, you know, I, it would make sense to have some some really a good backup there for uh Watson because, you know, let's face it from an injury perspective, who knows? Uh the Texans Ravens game. We're starting to get some numbers back, Bill, on some of the games on Saturday, which was the early game. 31.8 million viewers. I can only think of what the 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 night game last night is going to draw what that bills chiefs game is going to draw. It's going to be insane. What that game is going to draw. Game. The NFL is
0: an absolute ratings monster, man. Yeah. I mean, it It really is. They, that's why they keep forcing it down our throats. Now we get it on Thursdays and they got Saturday night games and they're putting it on Amazon prime and they're making everybody download peacock and everyone's complaining,
6: but, but they do they it.
3: keep watching, man. Yep. We all keep watching. Yep. Uh, Dave Canales, who we talked about a little bit earlier, will have his second interview, a follow-up interview uh, with the Panthers. And again, can I fault Dave Canales for taking an NFL job when there's only 32 of them? No, not even a little bit. But, you know, man, careful. make a good point when, you say,
0: these owners. when yeah. you say there's only 32 of them. And this just reminds me of something that bothers me every single season. And we saw it again this weekend with Ben Johnson. These guys should not be asked to interview while the playoffs are still ongoing. I don't understand why the NFL just doesn't say we're going to wait until Super Bowl Sunday. I don't care if you're in the playoffs, if you're out of the playoffs, no interviews, no coaching hires, nothing happens until the day after Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, a team would maybe lose a month, Mm -hmm. but it's not fair when you're talking about guys who are interviewing for literally the job of their life. There's only 32 head coaches in the entire world. And these guys are asked to not only prepare for the interview of a lifetime, but the game of a lifetime. Like Ben Johnson, what do you have?
3: Three or four interviews in one day. Here's the crazy thing, Bill. So you're prepping for, let's say, let's take Ben Johnson, for example. You're prepping for the for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So you finish up whatever you're doing that day, and you got to go like boom, boom, boom. In these, like, three-hour – like it, it, there's no way – and anybody who's been through this, when you have, like, a super long day or, you know, you got to be locked in, where you're not – by the end, you're just not there. You, you're not going to answer questions as sharply as you would have. I, I agree that it's a really tough spot for these guys. But right now, that's what they have to do.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't get why they do it this way. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I've had people make the argument, well – it kind of levels the playing field because a team that didn't make the playoffs now has an opportunity to yeah. fill out their staff before the offseason begins. It just, it doesn't seem right. doesn't seem fair to anybody involved. And look, we saw it with Jonathan Gannon. Now he did it in violation of the rules, but it's just, it's just not right. And then you have teams too. Like look at the Tampa Bay bucks. If the bucks wanted to make a coaching change, which they're not going to do, but if the bucks wanted to make a coaching change from Todd Bowles, well, why should they, simply for making the playoffs, not have the same ability to interview maybe guys that the Chicago Bears could or the Atlanta Falcons
3: could? You know, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. And you put I think you're just putting these guys in bad spots. So uh, Debo is 50-50 to play this week, which could really swing, you know, the the this game in a big way. Niners are minus six and a half in their game against the Lions. I like the Lions to hang with them. I'm telling you right now, I think they will hang around in that game. We'll see what ends up happening. Todd Bowles wants Baker Mayfield back. Uh, He is a free agent. Um, Again, Ryan Nielsen goes to the Jags, um, who who is a – that's a good signing by them. And Zach Ertz signs with the Lions, who lost one of their backup tight ends. So smart move because not only that, Laporte is dragging around one leg, although he's still playing great. But to have somebody like Zach Ertz in there who's played in some big games, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, smart move.
0: Plus, you got a guy, even if he doesn't make a play for you, it's another guy in that locker room who, if they do beat the 49ers, who's been through the whole Super Bowl drama that you have to go through for two weeks with the media and media day. So it's not bad to add that type of veteran leadership into the room. But, man, that Sam Laporta would have been nice in an Eagles uniform, Rob. (laughs) That would have been nice. Well, I remember leading up to the draft, there was a lot of chatter about, because there was a couple of good tight ends in the draft, and a lot of people were saying, well, the Eagles don't need a tight end. They have Dallas Goddard. But you look at this roster, and there's a lot of question marks going into next season. We talked about the third wide receiver. They absolutely have to upgrade their backup tight end position. They need a second tight end, especially if you want to be able to run that 12 personnel. Jack Stoll, not a bad blocker. Doesn't do anything in the passing game. Grant Calcaterra, not a bad receiver, can't run block. By having that, you really limited yourself. You made yourself one-dimensional when they're in the game. If you could have two tight ends who have the ability to not only catch the ball, but run block, it just makes it that much harder for teams to
3: defend. So I'd love to see them upgrade their tight end, too. I agree with you. This team desperately... Needs depth on the offensive side. They need a third receiver, they need a backup tight end. The other thing is Dallas Guider gets hurt all the time. So you can't depend on him staying healthy for all 17 games. You need someone who's going to come in and contribute. When he went down this year, granted, I think it was only about three games, whatever it was, three, four games. Um, you got nothing out of Stoller, calcaterra or Albert O, any of those guys. They gave you nothing. When AJ Brown goes down in a playoff game, Devontae Smith's got to be a magician. And if he isn't, nobody does anything. You got nothing. Out of Zacchaeus. So you need to upgrade. I, I grant it, you have more pressing issues on the defensive side. I would agree with that. But you need help depth-wise on the offensive side, uh, for sure. So a lot, a lot, uh, really certainly a lot of season. decisions to be made this off season, man. Uh, that is for sure. All right, let's get a timeout, let's come back. Uh, we're gonna hit a bunch of other things. We'll hit some sixers, we'll hit some flyers, we'll hit some Phillies. We'll hit a bunch of other things and close it out with some Eagles thoughts as well. Don't go anywhere. That's Bill Colorullo. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. We'll be right back.
5: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
2: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
6: They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First and goal at the sixth. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
10: Three. One, two, three. Because
6: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
4: All right, we're back.
3: That's Bill. I'm Rob. We are Sports Day, Jager Sports YouTube Network. All right, so Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reporting that the Eagles are set to interview former Jaguars DC, Mike Caldwell. Mike played here as well. Um, so that would be, we're hearing Ron Rivera and we're hearing Mike Caldwell. So what we're seeing here, and, and Caldwell was bounced from the Jaguars last year. Rivera fired from the from the Washington Commanders last year as well. Uh, Caldwell will also speak with the Raiders for a senior defensive position with DC flexibility. Should Patrick Graham get a head coaching gig, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN? We're seeing uh, more veteran laden guys who likely would not bolt after one year to get a head coaching gig is what we're seeing, at least in the very early returns here, Bill. I'm sure they're going to run through a litany of guys, but if you're looking at Rivera and Caldwell, that would make some sense and possibly Martindale. I don't think Martindale gets a a head coaching gig either.
0: Yeah, and you kind of like what you're seeing, whether or not they hire these guys. You do like that maybe they're taking a look and saying, it didn't work this season, bringing in an unknown defensive coordinator. We're going to try to bring in a veteran guy. So I do like that. Maybe they're self-analyzing and saying you can't do things this way. Hopefully they do the same thing when it comes to personnel, now, whether or not they can fix all of these issues we talked about the whole show is another story, if they can do that in one season. But maybe they've learned their lesson and say, look, we can't ignore linebacker. We can't ignore safety next season. We got to do something. But, hey, a lot of people want Jeremiah Trotter Jr.
3: Could we get the axe man here? We'll see. Oh, man, I love that kid. I love him. I, I watched him play at St. Joe's Prep. <laughs> I mean, this dude's a monster, okay? He is. He came out from his... He had an okay freshman year, got a little bit of time. And his sophomore year, he took off and he kept it going his junior year. I mean, just absolutely oh, unbelievable. Be, be um, such a cool story. What do you think, though? He's probably a second-round draft pick, you think? Probably. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker's not quite as devalued as running back, but it's not far off in that league. It, and Eagles, I think, to have be, uh, Unless you're an edge, like a Micah Parsons type, it's hard to be like a traditional linebacker. And, and I don't think it's right. But it's hard to be taken high as a traditional linebacker in that league.
0: And they have two second rounders because of that trade with the correct. Saints a couple years ago. So That's correct. Yep. yep. Who know? I mean, fans would go nuts if they got Trotter oh, Jr. <laughs> Put City him in number fifty four. Be sick, man. It would be sick. I agree with it.
3: All right, let's hit a couple other things here, Bill. Uh, one, the uh, the Sixers do play tonight. Be kind of cool to watch. They uh, they will take on the Spurs and Victor Wembanyama. He will be in uh in town, who is he's starting to really play well. Um, you know, there's two things that strike you when you see him. A, he is skinny as hell, man. But <laughs> you know, he's a kid. But B, that the even in a league where everyone is gigantic, he is tall. He is tall. He's fun to watch. So that'll be very interesting to see him, he and Embiid square off because Embiid right now is playing, he's unstoppable offensively, straight up unstoppable. 20 straight games with 30 plus points, and he's doing a lot of this in like three quarters of action bill
0: it's amazing what Embiid is doing and I keep getting sucked back into this Sixers team yeah but if they don't do it past the second round in the playoffs none of this is going to freaking matter man we need them to get out of the second round of the playoffs but here's my concern though about this this streak that he had and I know now he didn't get the double double he didn't get the 30 and 10 I think in the last game but I don't want to see them doing things just to keep and be streaks going. I want them I to do things that get them ready for the playoffs, and they should dominate tonight. I know you're excited to see Wemben
3: Wembe Nayama. Did yeah. I say that right? They, they stink as a team. but Yeah, yeah they stink.
0: So yeah. the Sixers should win their sixth in a row tonight, you would hope. But while we're on the Sixers talk, let me ask you, because every Wednesday I have Kayla Santiago. I don't know if you know Kayla, but she does a great job covering the Sixers, and we always talk about almost every week, as this team is constructed, can they compete when the playoffs get here, or do they need that third scorer? Now, a lot of people wanted Pasek Yeah. Yeah, The Pacers gave up a ton to get him. I'm uh, kind of happy much. the Sixers didn't make that move. Yep. But are they good enough as constructed? They have a lot of depth. They're well-coached under Nick Nurse. But do they need a third scorer? I think they do. I don't think they can compete now with the Pacers or the Bucks or the Celtics or even the Heat because, you know, the Heat, once the playoffs get here, they turn on a switch and they're a different
3: team. I agree with you. They do need a third score. Uh, the problem is you can't count on Tobias Harris. He's going to give it to you sometimes, most likely not going to give it to you in the playoffs. And it's a heavy burden to carry for Embiid and Maxie um, in a playoff you know, atmosphere to be able yeah. to do that. You're also assuming Embiid's healthy when the playoffs start, which he seems to never be. So they need, I, I don't think you have to mortgage the farm, Bill to Bring somebody in, even if it's a you know a guy who's in the last year of his deal, I would absolutely make a move to get somebody just another scoring piece in here, just to lighten the load a little bit. Even if that guy's coming off the bench, I'm fine with that. They actually have a better bench. I think this is the best bench that Embiid's had. When you you look at guys like who just play very smart, like Ubre, uh Morris, Patrick. Patrick's been playing well. He's been excellent for them. Yeah. It, there's depth there. That they haven't had in a long time, but they need a little punch in the starting lineup. They do. They need a little punch. I would agree. And look, I you know me. I've been sucked in. Uh, I'm 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 there. I'm enjoying watching them play. But even, you know, I can recognize, do I think they can get past Boston? No. Do you have to watch out for the Heat, like you said? Yes. Uh are the other teams behind them as easy as maybe they were last year, like the Cavs and the Knicks? No. They're not. And the Pacers, you got to watch them now that they made this trade to see how much better they get. I think they're I think they're an interesting team. Milwaukee doesn't defend as, as well as I would like, but Milwaukee's good too. Yeah. They are. Well, let me let me ask you a question that two months ago,
0: I never in a million years thought I'd be asking. Who goes further in the playoffs this season? The Philadelphia 76ers or the <laughs> Philadelphia
3: Flyers? Maybe? All right, good segue. Good segue. Uh so the Flyers had a tough weekend. Tough weekend. Uh got up two nothing yesterday um, and ended up, you know, falling apart and losing. Um and we're you up 3
0: 1 too. Went up 2 0. Yeah, they and had two two three goal one. leads.
3: Yep, two, yeah. two goal leads, and they ended up losing. And then go back to Saturday, man, they fought back. And you're thinking, wow, here we go. And then and then it just ultimately kind of they ran out of gas a little bit. Despite that. Despite that. Um, I love what this team's done this year. I love the way that they're playing. You know, I also like to Bill, I love the fact and, and John Tortorella sort of reiterated that last week, I think it was, hey, we are not veering from the plan. We know we're playing well and we know there's going to be some tough decisions to be made, but guys who are helping us right now might have to go. They might have to go so we can build this thing up the way that we want to. And you know what? Amen. Stay true to what you're doing.
0: Yeah, they did a great job so far. I mean, no one had any expectations this year, and they've already exceeded expectations. I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NHL, and not only are they playing well, they're beating really good teams. Tough weekend, like you said. Saturday, Carter Hart didn't do him any favors, gave up five goals and only 15 shots, but it was yesterday that was the tough one. But you're right. Tortorella said we can't fall in love with anybody. Danny Briere. Maybe it was about a month ago, two months ago when he was talking to said, we're not going to change from the plan. So Mm -hmm. this is how this team's gotten themselves in trouble in previous years is always just going for that that season's run without having their eyes on the future. So it's going to pain me if they do make some trades at the deadline, if they turn into sellers at the deadline. But it probably is the smart move. But. Some young players, you know, you and I talked a little bit about the whole Cutter-Gotchier deal. And yeah, any word on Jamie Drysdale? Is he is he healthy? Is he going to be coming
3: back? Because he was playing well in the few games we saw him, but then uh, he was out of the lineup for a little well, while. Well, de- yeah, he was dealing with a, with an illness. I don't know. And maybe some of it is just, you know, it's just been crazy in terms of travel for him. Uh, and, and probably he turned it around and played pretty quickly after the trade. I don't know exactly you know, the depths of this thing uh, for him. But, yeah, I, I, would, I would assume he's back pretty good. I mean, look, we all know the, the, the power play's been an issue uh this year. To get somebody like that who's a right-handed shot who can quarterback this thing, you know, yeah. it, it would be big uh, to get it back sooner rather than later. But, yeah, I mean – Power play's and,
0: actually been putting up some goals.
2: I know. They've years. been
3: better. You're right. They've been better lately. The other thing that hurt them yesterday was no tip. But he had the, the leg injury from weird going into the boards on Saturday, whatever. But if you get him – I I don't think it's anything long-term with him, which is the good news. And um, this
0: question's come up, and I see Jim G in the chat here asking it again. Would you hang on to Carter Hart? And you and I did talk about this the last time I was on the show. And and my position on it, Rob, is I would. I mean, we've had so many question marks at goaltender over the years, but we can go through them how many times. I mean, the Ilya Brizgalov and getting rid of Sergei Berbovsky too quickly and just all of the changes at goalie I like that we have two good goaltenders right now. I like that Sam Erson can step in and is competing with Carter Hart, and they're kind of playing against each other. You need two solid goalies in today's NHL.
3: You do. And the other thing, and I love what Erson's given them this year. Love it. Absolutely love it. But are we sold on this short stint? I know we gave you a little bit last year. I'm not. I'm not ready to move on from Carter Hart. That's not part of what I'm doing. Like I don't think the with the Flyers – Are going to do at the trade deadline will involve young players like Carter Hart. I think it's going to involve veteran players who are most likely going to be on the move. It's not. Would you get rid of Katoria? Um, I I kind of put Katoria a little bit in a in a different category simply because he's such a good two way player. You here here's the thing when you when you're doing what the Flyers are doing. You do still need veteran voices around you to show you how to go about your business in the right way, and I put Katoria in that category. I'd rather not, but if somebody gives me a great package, yeah, I would I would consider moving him as well. But I'd rather not move Couturier. The crazy thing is as you look at what they got
0: back for Claude Drew, man. The Florida Panthers, I think, got what, like 18 games out of Claude Drew? We got yeah. a first round pick and Owen Tippett, who I know best goal you've ever seen. I mean, that, that, in that, that the,
3: flyers uniform, that was up there, man. The spinning backhand sort of blind shot. The other night was insanity. I think it was Thursday, whenever it was. Oh yeah, my god, it was, god. It, was it was sick. It was and and look, Giroux hurt them yesterday, so yeah, yeah.
0: Um, he tied it up. I think he, he was the guy who got the the, goal, the game tying goal. But
9: yeah, he did. And,
0: yeah, last thing on the Flyers before we move on, I've seen some reports that they named Travis Konechny captain, but then I haven't been able to confirm that. Is, there, I is that? Accurate? I don't think
3: that's official. I don't
0: think that. I don't official. think so either. I couldn't confirm it, and I've saw some people posting about it. I mean, it would make sense to me. To name Connecty, he's the had captain, an but- unbelievable year.
3: So, all right, you're, you're I, here, I sort of think they like the somebody earn it this year and you'll, you, you know, maybe you'll get it next year. I think they kind of like that. It's it's sort of gone along with the approach that they've taken, you know, this whole season. But we'll, we'll say, I, I, would I have any issue if they gave it to Connecty? No, I think he's not only has he blossomed as a player and become a consistent force, I think he's grown up a lot as a guy too. Yeah, I really do we you know remember he, we saw flashes when he was younger some knucklehead stuff that that's not who he is anymore and i i love travis connecting love the way he plays uh i don't know if you saw this yesterday this i watched a little a little bit of this game because it was early i think it was at noon before all the all the football stuff started but and the flyers so iowa women's basketball team lost to ohio state which iowa's Caitlin clark the who's the best scoring and player of the year so, the, the the kids are storming the, the court because the game was in Ohio State, in, in Columbus. She got trucked. This kid's I running out, it. just as you would expect, like this, like just looking at the phone and running out, not looking at where they're going. And bam, they collided. Now, looks like she's going to be all right. I guarantee we won't see any more uh, court storms in, in women's college basketball this year. That'll be it as far as that <laughs> the goes. Damn, the damn lawyers ruin everything, Rob. <laughs> Your your brethren, Bill. Your brethren. No, uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Here's the other. Here's the other thing I wanted to bring up with you before we get it back to the uh, birds. It's been very quiet on the Phillies front.
0: Are like, they going to do anything other than sign Aaron
3: Nola? I mean, we haven't I'll heard. Say, a thing. I'm like, I don't know no. Really, here's a, here's what I would say to Major League Baseball. You got a big problem. You do. This off season, other than Otani and some, I like some real sort of early on big name kind of stuff has been way too quiet, way too quiet. Like that's not good for your game. You want the intrigue. Why, why do we care about the NFL? It's like, it's like 12, it's 12 months a year. year. Basketball does a pretty solid job of giving you at least like 10, 11 months a year. Right. I feel like I know the Phillies last played in late October. Right. It, It feels like a long time ago. And that to me is, is, is not a good thing. And I know the Phillies were in on a couple of guys and it didn't work out. And I'm glad they didn't give Josh Hader five years, by the way. I'm very way too much money, yeah. Way too many years. But damn, can can they do something here?
0: Yeah, I mean you're spot on. The reason why the NFL continues to win is because they figured out a way to make this a 365-day season. Because we go Super Bowl ends February, we go right into free agency in March, right into the draft in April little bit of a lull in the summertime but that's a good time because everybody's doing their vacations and things anyway but you're right they got to do something because i forgot about the phillies i mean i I do the philly sports power hour every day i can't tell you the last time i even talked about the philadelphia phillies because there's nothing to talk about
3: yeah all all i seem to keep talking about is all right pitchers and catchers are in you know february 14th and february 18th like okay that's great but you know what are you doing to add some depth what are you doing to add a right-handed bat that can make contact. Yeah. Are, are you really going to trust Taiwan Walker? And I understand these things can come down late. You know, we, we you can see something happening in into spring training, but it, it's frustrating because I, I see Atlanta has made some moves. I see some teams around them have made moves. The Dodgers, obviously, have, you know, it's like an all-star team, but I would like to see them be a little bit more active here for sure. And, Another
0: name you haven't heard much is Reese Hoskins. So yeah. I-, I thought maybe he would have signed somewhere by now. Hasn't happened. The chance is getting better. Maybe he's yes. back in the Phillies uniform.
3: 100%. A one-year deal. Uh, you, have to, you really have to ask yourself, are you willing to sacrifice that defense and put Schwarber back and left a little bit more? Hoskins, DHs, Harper place first. Yeah. That's kind of where you're at right now. You know, um, and I think that's do, do they want to start the season with Rojas in the minors and or a platoon of Rojas and uh, Marsh in center? You know, the, these are all the all the questions you have to ask yourself uh, if you are the uh, if you're the fight fills for sure.
0: You know what's sad, though, Rob? We're sitting here. It's January 22nd, and we are talking about the Phillies, and the only reason we're talking about the Phillies is because the Eagles are not getting ready yeah. for another playoff game, man. And and every time I take a step back and realize, like even this weekend watching the NFL playoffs, and it's like, I can't believe it's over. I mean, I, I can't believe all offseason we were talking, can they overcome the Super Bowl hangover and debating roster moves and all this, and now it's like, damn it, it's over. Every year. When it's over, it just hits you like a ton of bricks, man. I can't wait until the season starts. It, it really does,
3: man. It, it 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 is really hard to to. It was it was yesterday. I don't know why. Saturday didn't hit me as hard. Sunday hit me hard. Uh, yeah. Thinking like, damn, it, it it's over. Like last year, we were preparing for the NFC Championship game this week, and then yep. it was on. You know, on to the next one. It, it was. It, it's. It, it makes you appreciate what the Patriots and, you know, um, you know, the chiefs have been able to do, et cetera, but it's also, it, it makes you ask the question, like, what are the Eagles doing wrong or, 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 whatever, what do they need to change to be more consistent than the highs and the lows? And, and I know Eagles would argue, Hey, we won 11 games and blah, blah, blah. We, we all know what, how that ended and what happened there and and the challenges they have in front of them. And that's something they have got to figure out organizationally. Uh, let me ask you that cuz you just mentioned about how how it ended
0: is one of my theories that i've been saying is if the philadelphia eagles would have started off the season 6 and 5 or 5 and 6 which they very realistically could have when you go back and look at that 10 and 1 start they stole some games they shouldn't have stole absolutely they did so if they would have started the season 6 and 5 and 5 or 6 and and we would have chalked it up to look this is what kind of happens coming off of a super bowl and you lose all these players and both coordinators would there have been a mu- as much heat from fans to fire Nick Sirianni? Or are we only saying that now because of, oh, well, it was the quote unquote epic collapse. And I don't necessarily think it was as epic as we're making it out to be. When you look at the season in its entirety, I really think the Eagles were trying to tell us who they were all season and they weren't that good of a football team.
3: Even going back to week one, they let yeah. Mac Jones throw for over 300 yards in week one. They did. I mean, look, the, the, the optics of, of six of seven are bad. The optics of the way they played the last game and losing 32 to nine are bad. But there there were cracks in the dam all year. And it was yeah. only a matter of time before that floodgate opened up. And we were all hopeful and had some blinders on towards what was happening. You know, I chalked it up too. They had... They have that winning gene, you know, they, they, they can figure it out even when they don't play the Ray game and there's something to be said for that. And, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Some teams do have that, but that wasn't what was going on with the Eagles. They just weren't playing good football and eventually it caught up to them. And not only did it catch up to them, Bill, like we saw the Niners lose three straight and respond. We've still, we saw Buffalo fire their coordinator and respond. There was nothing pulling the Eagles out of this. In fact, it was just spiraling harder, you know, down the drain. And that's what you also have to look at. Like, how did your team either not have the the personnel or the mental fortitude to be able to handle a losing streak? Because everybody deals with it. They couldn't deal with it. that, That was the biggest surprise. That was the biggest surprise,
0: you know, because like we talked about earlier, we thought Nick Sirianni built a great culture. And even when you look at the veteran leaders on this team, you thought guys like Kelsey and Cox and Graham and Lane Johnson and that they would be able to respond To the adversity. But I still keep going back to one, I don't think they were that good this year from a personnel perspective on defense. But two, once they made the decision, whether it was Howie Roseman or Sirianni, once they made that decision to move on from Sean Desai, that was the nail in the coffin. That's where I really think they lost the locker room. There was a divide because I think players were looking around and saying, What the hell is going on here? Who made this decision? We're already trying to learn a new defense. And every single defensive player kind of came out after and talked about how hard that was, still trying to learn Sean Desai's terminology and the way he likes to do things. And now not only do you switch defensive coordinators, but you tell Matt Patricia, you're going to run another person's defense. That just is really one of the worst decisions I've seen the Eagles make in the last few years. that That was a bad
3: one. And, and, and I am I firmly believe then and I firmly believe now that that came from upstairs. That did not come from Nick. I don't I think had they could do that to his fellow coach, a uh, fellow coach in, in that situation. And it, it wreaked a panic. Uh, and not only was it a panicky move, also asking players at that 13 games in to, to sort of run a new system. Every one of them on that exit interview last week, even, even Brandon Graham, who's the most upbeat, positive guy ever was like it was tough you know and when brandy ram saying it like that that means it was really tough because he is trying to not lay anybody out and be a good soldier but yeah it was it was a massive mistake it was a panicky kind of move i i just hope there's a lot of lessons learned organizationally from this past year bill because there's a lot to be taken away from if your eyes are open and you're willing and your ears are open and you're willing to because they made they they screwed up a lot and
0: I know this gets fans angry and I've had people call me Bill Spadaro lately on the show because one, I wanted to bring Sirianni back, but as angry as I am at Nick, at Howie Roseman and as angry as I am at Jeffrey Lurie and saying that they are arrogant at times, which they are, you do have to look at the flip side and say they have had a lot of success. I mean, we talk about since 2000, the third most playoff appearances, second to only the green Bay Packers and new England Patriots in the last Six years, they've made the playoffs, excuse me, last seven years, they've made the playoffs six out of seven times. So I am hopeful when you're looking for some positivity that they will learn from these mistakes because this is a well-run organization. I know that some things they did this year were brutal, but they are. Look at the Carolina Panthers, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, it could be a lot worse. I I agree.
3: agree. Uh, All right, we got to run. So uh, stay tuned. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. Bill, you're back with us tomorrow, man. We're looking forward to it. Joe Santa Laquita will join us at 1130 tomorrow. Thanks to Xander Krause. Thanks to everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Appreciate it. Thanks for hanging with us.
5: Go to get your game on
7: a single game by going 5 for 5. It's a fantasy game and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com when you sign up use the promo code WIN and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com use the promo code
1: WIN.